Hello and welcome to COTR Presents Sports Ball of the Rings, Formula One edition. I am one of your hosts. I am John, a.k.a. Electron John, one of the normal hosts of Cardboard of the Rings, but I find myself in the uh, the main host chair tonight, and it is my great pleasure to uh, welcome on this very special episode my friend and regional Twitter expert, Bard Lee. Good evening, Bard Lee. Yeah, I'm back on this feed again talking sports. I'm sure people are very surprised, but I don't have great stats. Like last time on basketball, I was like, here's Donovan Mitchell clutch stats. Not happening this time. I'm shooting from the hip, everybody. Be ready. Oh, boy. The nice thing is we're doing this one after they're locked in for supporting us for so many months. So, like, they're not going to unsubscribe from the Patreon now, you know. <laughs> so true, we got them. You're stuck. We got them. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck. Thankfully, you're not just stuck with the two of us. We are being joined by uh, Brad's compatriot and Tardy Takes, Shellen. Good evening, Shellen. Good evening. Yeah, I'm excited to be back for another another sports ball. Uh, I did not bring any good stats to the NBA discussion, mm. and I will bring even fewer here to F1. That is my promise. Interesting. Interesting. Well, this should be good. This should be good. So, that's right. We are talking Formula One tonight. If you don't know what Formula One is, it is, well, then you, you probably are living in America, and that's probably why. Uh, no, as <laughs> it is a race car sport, as Chris so aptly described it in our <laughs> in the Discord earlier. Uh, if Formula One is a the considered the pinnacle of motorsport, all the rally car fans are immediately writing emails. I really love it. Formula One is great. It is by far the most expensive form of motorsport, it seems. It is an international sport with lots of glitz and glamour and all sorts of shenanigans. And it is just really now making its way back into the States after an almost 40-year absence out of the zeitgeist. So we are talking about Formula One tonight because I think we just had the Miami, first ever Miami Grand Prix. Wow. Did you guys watch it? Yes. Otherwise, I would be woefully unprepared for this episode about the Miami Grand Prix. <laughs> That's true. That's true. How how about you? You watched every minute of it, right? Right, Eric? Yeah, we were, we were discussing a little bit before show. It's funny that uh, the one at normal American time was much harder for me to try to watch. Uh, so I, I unfortunately only did highlights for the race this yeah. weekend. Mother's Day was a bad choice. Exactly. I, I, have, I, I have F1 TV, the streaming service, so I could, I could go back and watch the whole thing. And I, I had to. And because there was there was no way I was telling my wife, OK, this has been fun celebrating you today, but um, got to go watch the F1. No, that's <laughs> that's a, that's a good way to wake up dead. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. We, we initially talked about hosting this on a Sunday night and then you guys were like Mother's Day, not going to work. And as a single unmarried, no child person, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that would be a problem, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I can do it whatever. <laughs> A little bit of a conflict, but yeah, we got to, I'm glad we're doing this now on a Thursday and, uh, it's a next week is, or th this week, I guess is an off week. So, uh, we mm -hmm. can talk about the race that happened. We've got some, uh, some time before, uh, the Grand Prix in Spain. So yeah. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about each of us and kind of our, our, our level of familiarity and interest in F1. So I, Brad, why don't you go first since you, you are the one who got us together for this. Yeah, that's true. I did suggest this because I we've been kind of discussing it on and off for a while, John. And I was like, we got we got to do it, um, especially now that we have this feed that we can put whatever we want on it. Uh, so my interest in F1, I would actually say 
I need to talk about my interest in racing first because mm. I am a total mark for liking F1 because mm. this is going to surprise people. As a college-educated Asian-American, I loved <laughs> NASCAR growing up. I know, right in yeah. our demo. <laughs> wow. It seems so logical that that's Target exactly the type there, of yeah. sport that would, uh, I would love. But yeah, would, as a little kid growing up until about high school, I was really, really big into NASCAR, and I loved uh, Jeff Gordon, and I watched all the races every Sunday. So, you know, before this, I was talking to Sheldon a little bit about the rhythm of watching on a Sunday. It's like, mm. this is old hat for me. I used to, those races are long; they're like three hours long. Mm-hmm. I used to watch them every week. Um, so, um, the reason why I stopped watching it was what happened in 2003. Was this guy Matt Kenseth? He won the title, and um. He was from Wisconsin, so I was happy he won because I was like, oh, I'm from Wisconsin. Cool. Yeah. He's like my local guy. So that was pretty cool because I knew I knew of the places that he was from, that he had raced and stuff like that. So it's like awesome. However, it was very controversial. He won the title, 36 races. Uh, it was over 36 races, and he won one race. And people were pissed because yeah. they were like, how can you win one time and be win the title? But it's like, well, he finished top 10, top 5 like every week. It's mm-hmm. like over 36 races because of the way that points are structured in racing, you get points based on your placement. It's like, well, if you always finish high, you should win or be high, right? So it made sure. sense. And then I ended up getting out of it because I, after that, they tried to change how they handed out the trophy for the title. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys are looking at these weird notes in here, but it was they created this chase where they would basically uh, sort of have like a postseason type of playoff thing where it'd be like the first 26 or like the regular season, the last 10 are the ones that are the postseason type of thing. And then they would reseed everybody, um, change the points gap between people and stuff like that. And I was like, look, your, your, your sport has been around since like, I don't know what, like the 60s or whatever. And, you, and now mm-hmm. 50 years later, you're changing who, how you determine a winner. Like this is, this is even young Barley was like, this is a sham, <laughs> you yeah. know? And they kept changing it because I just didn't like that idea of like, you have a way that you award your winner. Stick mm-hmm. by it. Like, don't change it just because some people, mostly because Dale Hart Jr. was not winning the titles. That's the real reason. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, let's, yes. Yeah. That was the reason they changed it because uh, he was winning a lot of races but not winning titles. But anyway, after that, I kind of fell off of racing and I got into other sports. And uh, basically, I kind of got back into F1 because, John, you had been kind of talking at Sports Ball a little bit about mm-hmm. it. And then on Twitter, I follow a lot of uh, soccer writers. They were talking about F1. I was kind of like, oh, what is this kind of thing? And it really was, um, he's going to be a common thread between all of us, Drive to Survive, the Netflix mm-hmm. reality yeah. show that got me into it again because it, it gave me the narrative hook to become interested in it because um, just watching the cars grow on the track, is, if you're not really into cars like me, like I don't know like anything about cars, it's, it's interesting enough, but it's not like you need something further to, to really get you into it. And the show gave me the push I needed to be like, oh, uh, now I kind of understand the dynamics between the teams, the, the drivers, all this stuff, because it was pretty different from NASCAR. You know, it's got like 43 people on the on grid, as they call it, in yeah. F1. Um, and so it was hard to keep track of everybody. There were all these teams, and it was, so it was a lot more stuff going on. And, and I like this. Um, coming from NASCAR to F1, I'll say it's a simplicity, because it's 20 cars versus 40-plus cars, mm-hmm. only 20 drivers. It, you know, It's uh, a lot easier to follow, I think. And so really, that's kind of why I, I got into F1 again, because it was like 
easy mark because I had been a racing fan in the past. And I think the show provided me a good entryway to become, I'm not a huge fan, but to become mildly interested and, and follow it week to week and watch some races here, here and there. So that was awesome. really, um, really my path to <laughs> becoming a pseudo F1 fan, I guess you could say. Sure. Uh, nice. Nice. What about you, Eric? Uh, mine's pretty similar, but uh, without any of the the NASCAR backing, uh, I have I have hated motorsports basically my entire life. Uh, I think you know NASCAR was kind of the only one that was on TV, and it was just something that clogged up ESPN from wanting from watching <laughs> something that I actually wanted to watch. Uh, and so I watched the first season of Drive to Survive when it first came out, and was you know impressed with it. It was a well done documentary and was interesting, but didn't really get too into it. Then this most recent year with, I think it was what season four mm-hmm. of it just came out prior to this uh, upcoming F1 season. Mm-hmm. My wife and I were looking for something to watch. And I mentioned that, you know, I liked the first season of this. Maybe we can rewatch it together and, and see if it's good. And we binge watched all four seasons over oh, wow. the course of just like a couple weeks. Oh, geez. just loved it. And I think that, so I'm one of those people that I think F1 and Netflix was targeting here in America. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I don't really care about racing in general. I know nothing about cars. I can, I can change my own oil and that's the extent of anything I care about a car. Mm-hmm. But the some, sometimes manufactured drama of Drive to Survive uh, really resonated with the NBA fan inside of me that just kind of loves the off-court nonsense mm-hmm. and the ability to follow along just those 20 drivers you know you, you kind of got to know all of them enough that you could develop some favorites and some some people to cheer against uh based on the netflix show and that was enough to hook me into being like yeah i'm gonna follow f1 this season and and give it a go and okay so that that then leads into the next thing because i want to ask i want to ask both of you this since since DTS was kind of your real inroad from that, then any favorite teams or drivers? Alan, why don't you go first here? Because you actually have uh, a more serious answer. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I fully jumped on board the uh, Ferrari bandwagon. I think uh, both. Yeah, exactly. Both signs and Leclerc were among our favorite drivers from the Netflix show and both young and frustratingly handsome men driving those cars fast uh, <laughs> got uh you know obviously won my wife over a little bit and then myself as well so i think i think i i jumped on board that i know that there's been some some heartbreak for them in previous seasons but i get to yeah. come in kind of completely fresh and don't really have to worry about that and can just have blind unbridled optimism uh this season for it Oh, right. so like a Kings fan with uh, their new head coach, Mike Brown, right? You're just coming in exactly. fresh and clean. It's going to be so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I don't really have a favorite team or driver. Uh, I think one of the things that, because I, I mentioned in NASCAR, I did have favorite drivers. It's kind of nice to be free of having to pick, mm. having a favorite and being every week being like living and dying by how they, how they do. Uh, you know, I was obviously... Shell and I, we discussed the the basketball stuff, and we discussed my Bucks fandom, and you know, my Bucks panic, and all this stuff. It, it's kind of nice to just be a little free. I I guess 
Uh, my favorite is probably because of the show. I love Gunther. I think his appearances are just mm. so funny. I, sure. I'm slightly drawn to Hospi. They are the American team, so you know, yep. uh, America, FBI type of stuff. You know, uh, right. I gotta have a little bit of that uh, patriotism, I suppose. But um, I, I just kind of like uh, the the principle of that team, and that's fun to follow. But yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily say I have anybody that I really like or dislike too much, or favorite team or driver um yeah because i just sometimes it's nice to not have a rooting interest i think which Mm. i know is for for sports is weird because like a lot of times that's the point is your team wins and that's what's exciting but i think as a person who's like i watch like i follow closely like 10 sports so it's like sometimes you can't follow 10 teams very closely all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's kind of for me yeah fair enough so my background with Formula One is I, I grew up with it. Uh, my my dad has been a motorsport fan basically his whole life. He, in fact, uh, at one point in the late 70s, went to a racing school in Canada for a couple of weeks and drove uh, at least one, I think it was more than one, though, race in Formula Ford, which is a, like, uh, it's a single-seater category, but it's like, you know, like single a ball kind of thing. Like it's, it's, it, sure. it, it requires skill, it, but it's not, you know, he, he was never on anybody's in anybody's driver academy on anybody's radar. It was just kind of like a thing he did because he could at that point in his life. And uh, so, yeah, grew up with motorsport. I mean, we would watch, I, I remember vividly many, many Sundays where we would watch the formula one race in the morning and then go to church and then come home and then in the afternoon, watch the NASCAR race. And so Brad, I also grew up a lot with NASCAR and, you know, I, I remember the period of time you're talking about. My main kind of focus in NASCAR was a few years before, because, again, I'm about 10 years older than you. Um, but there was this, I remember this great event, for whatever reason, at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville, Alabama. They did a Racers and Rockets thing where, honest to God, I I met Dale Earnhardt under the uh, the space shuttle they have on display there. <laughs> that is wild. That is a crazy that is story. the craziest thing. <laughs> I've got so many pictures. I um, I think I have met Richard Petty, and I'm trying to remember if it was at that or if it was at another thing. But yeah, like I, I just got so many pictures of me and and different you know NASCAR drivers from that era, from from the early and mid '90s. Um, so yeah, that that was that was my thing. And and but then once I graduated and uh, moved moved away to go to college, I kind of fell off of watching F1 because it was hard to find. I mean, at that point. You know, you had uh, it was still it was it was waning in popularity in the U.S. It was still before the disastrous 2005 uh, Indianapolis uh, or the yeah Indianapolis Grand Prix is what it was called. But if you've never seen that or heard about it, look it up on Wikipedia. Uh, it was at the time when they had multiple they had two different tire manufacturers, and one set of tires just would not run at all on this track. It was actually dangerous, and it was a complete disaster. And like five cars started the race. It was it was a farce. Um, so, you know, feel real bad for the guys that came in fourth and fifth, but the, uh, the, you know, that was kind of the end of, of F1's popularity for a good long time. And so for me, you know, but not having easy access to the sport on TV and well before streaming, I just really stopped following the sport. And so I missed, you know, I, I missed really the end of Schumacher's run. I missed his comeback. I, I missed, um, so much of kind of this transitional era. And I was sort of vaguely familiar, you know, when Red Bull came on the scene and, and had their level of dominance. Like I knew who, I knew who Sebastian Vettel was, but I didn't really follow the sport much at all. 
and then uh, just for whatever reason saw that Drive to Survive was on you know, for, when the first season had, had premiered. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, why not? You know, I wanted something to watch. Uh, Melissa was out of the house doing some girls' night, so I started watching it, and it completely sucked me back in because I remembered what I what I loved so much about F1 was just it was the, the extremely high speeds, the the extremely high level of technical sophistication, um, and and also just the extremely high level of very rich people acting like very large spoiled children. <laughs> like, oh, word. <laughs> there's something to be said for that being fun to watch. So, yeah, uh, DTS definitely brought me back into the fold, and and it was in some ways it was like I never left. I mean, I I I got you know I I had to refamiliarize myself a little bit with a few of the rules that had changed, although the format hasn't changed all that much. I mean, the qualifying format was a lot different than it was when I was uh, watching back in the 90s. But, uh, but yeah, the, the actual sport itself, very, still very similar. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no chase for the cup or anything like that. And certainly no um, <laughs> sprints or whatever, whatever they're doing with the, uh, where NASCAR does like the race in three sections or something. That is dumb. Just make the races shorter. Anyway, sorry. Look, I I agree. NASCAR has changed how it was so much. It's like a, it's so bizarre. It's like a completely different sport from when yeah. we would have watched. The Bristol Dirt Race was a lot of fun to watch, but that's just because <laughs> you know I'm mildly redneck. Anyway, <laughs> um, but we uh, but yeah, DTS did a lot to get me back into the sport and refamiliarize myself, or in, and to learn some of the new drivers. And it was a, I mean, honestly, the timing of that was almost perfect because you really had a sea change. In the uh, in the 2018 season, where you every like the all the teams just started getting younger because they got so many new drivers coming in in 19. So you you saw you know got to learn a little bit about the old guard in that first season. But then if you went from there to starting to watch uh, watch the actual season that it, that that was um, the actual season of racing that was just beginning, it was like seeing all these new drivers. There were I mean because like 2019 was uh, Lando and George and who else was rookies in 2019? Albon, maybe. I, uh, yeah, I think he was a rookie that year. I don't think he was driving. No, because yeah, I don't think he was driving for. Um, it was still Toro Rosso then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I mean, you just had a, you had a whole bunch of young guys coming in, uh, and then in in 19 that was Leclerc's first year as a Ferrari driver. So he he had been jumped up to the to the main team. And it was just, it was great. And like, it was just a perfect piece of timing to, to learn and to jump back into the sport, to learn a lot about these new drivers and to um, really, there's a lot of contributing factors, but that was, that was a big part of it. So as far as, as far as my, you know, favorite teams or drivers or whatever, I, I mean, coming up, you know, that was, that was in uh, kind of the tail end of, of Williams' dominance on into the time of, of uh, Ferrari and, and Schumacher just winning everything. So I wasn't, I was never really a big Schumacher fan. I mean, I didn't, I didn't actively dislike the guy, but going back and watching some of the archive races on, on F1 TV, it's like, mm, there was times where he's kind of a dirty driver and he just, he leaned on his, uh, his legend status to, you know, get, get by the refs, so to speak. Not that it, that ever happens in any, any other sport, of course. Yeah, no. Definitely stars don't get calls. That's not what people say in NBA yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. Exactly. So um so yeah, the the uh you know, I don't I don't really have a favorite team. I, I although I do I mean McLaren is close to my heart. Um in in part because, you know, how can you not love Lando? 
Uh, but yeah, the, the McLaren, if I had to pick a favorite team, it would be McLaren, which has made this year a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a challenge, but you know, it's, it's, what's nice about this sport is that you can, you know, some folks approach it as being fans of a particular team. So they're, you know, they're, a, they're a Ferrari fan, regardless of who's driving. I mean, the, you know, the Tifosi don't care really who's driving as long as they're driving a Ferrari, they are gods among men. But after they drive, you know, after they move off to another team, oh, they're kind of dead to them. Uh, some people are fans of particular drivers. And, you know, I, I really like George Russell. I have a lot of respect for how he um, comported himself in Williams, uh, apart from the time that he uh, just completely, you know, had that out. massive, yeah, that massive yeah. shunt with Bottas that, that was just awful. But, you know, most of the time he, he, he did well there uh, and got a lot out of the car. I think he's handling himself well in, in Mercedes so far. Um, you know, but even, even driver like even drivers that I, I may not like as much as some people do. It's like, you still, I, I still find myself having respect for them because they're doing this really insane thing. I mean, these, these guys are driving like rocket ships around for my entertainment. So, you know, I'm not rooting against any of them. Well, not since, you know, that, that one guy is gone, you know, <laughs> he, he, he shall not be named. Nikita Mazepin. I'll name him for those that don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I totally get it. Um, kind of bring up an interesting thing about this kind of younger drivers coming in at, at, at a good time. I definitely agree because as, um, you know, Shell and I could spend an hour talking about like our top 10 NBA players under the age of 21 and how exciting it is for fans all across the league to have like hope and be like, mm-hmm. oh, look at and, and people they could follow from the start of their career all the way up and you know, if you if people had been coming in from drive to survive and he's like, here's this all these drivers that have been in the league for 10 years. It's like, OK, I have to catch up on everything I need to know about this guy that's happened in the past 10 years. Otherwise, I don't know any of the context of any of these rivalries, any of the past type of stuff that happened to him. Whereas you get kind of these new, fresh, young guys. It's like, oh, they kind of are raw, as we would say in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And it's like they don't have a lot of on their on their slate. So it's like, oh, I can kind of grow. My fandom can grow as they grow into the sport which I think is mm-hmm. a really, I don't know if, I don't know how, I, I'm going to say it's probably, I guess it was lucky for Formula One that they had this young crop come in as they were doing this show, but I think it's actually been something that's um, thinking long-term about Formula One in the United States and its popularity and stuff. I think it's actually really fortunate for them to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I brought up, you know, loving kind of the off-court stuff like we get in the NBA, you know, it, just how marketable and charismatic a lot of those young guys are off the track too. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. not just on drive to survive, but you got Lando running around on Twitch, racing people and, you know, exactly. Leclerc and Russell and Lando all seem to be pretty friendly off the track as well. So there's a lot of like collaboration with them that you can, you know, watch and see in real time during these off mm-hmm. weeks. And if that's something you're into, so it's pretty easy to follow a lot of these guys not just on race weekends, if the, you know, kind of soap opera of F1 is something that excites you as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was actually, it's like you're reading my show notes, uh, but my talking about the growth of Formula One in the States and the timing of it. Um, interestingly, the, the pandemic has really contributed to the growth, not only because people were looking for stuff to watch, so they watched DTS, but also all the stuff that these drivers were doing on Twitch where you had, I mean, sometimes they were doing stuff seriously, you know, like actually like uh, Max Verstappen will get on iRacing and 
I mean, if you if you are an iRacing subscriber and you see someone come into your race that says the name says Max Verstappen, it's actually him. Like it's really him. He just does I like this guy is always racing anything he can get, and and it's just amazing. Um, but but you know sometimes they're doing serious stuff. A lot of times they just did really silly things. I mean, there was one where you had like uh, George and Lando and Charles and um, Alex doing like Euro Trucking Simulator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I've watched a lot of people play this stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and so you have these four F1 drivers on their, you know, nice home rigs. I mean, Lando's is more serious, I think, than the rest of theirs was, but uh, I'm sure they've all upgraded by now. Um, but because uh, Lando does the sim racing thing pretty seriously, like Max does. But uh, yeah, they were they were doing, you know, just these ridiculous things, and it was fun. Or like they would do, um, they would do tracks on the F1 game, but they'd go backwards the entire time, and kind of make up their own rules about it as as they went. So it was really fun to watch, and you just you 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 had this entertainment to watch when there really wasn't anything else because you weren't doing a whole lot of anything else. I mean, you'd exhausted Tiger King. You you've watched everything. You you reached the end of Netflix, like, and you find yourself watching these young men just having fun with each other and and having you know this, kind of this really kind of wholesome friendships on the internet. And it was it was engaging to watch. So that I think did a huge huge amount of good for the growth of F one particularly in the U.S., but I think, you know, overall. Uh, so despite the fact that they weren't doing races in person there for several months, you still had, uh, you still had that level of interest and you still had that, um, you know, that growth of the fan base as they got to know the, the drivers personally. So, yeah, yeah, which I think has been a big, big part of that. And it's, it's actually kind of wild. The guys who do it seriously, like Lando, they, I mean, I, I'm sure it has not eclipsed his income from actually driving a real car, but that dude has got some smart marketing people behind him. Yeah, he's started his own esports team and everything like that now, hasn't yeah. he, I think? Yeah. Yeah. And there's even there's even like a um a mental health thing that I don't think he started it, but like he's he's lent his his support and efforts behind it. And um yeah, there's there's just a lot of like that's the thing is like for the drivers that seem really genuine and there, there are some drivers that don't, but for the drivers that seem really genuine and use like they, they seem to want to bring others along for the party and, and do good things with this, this um, platform they've been given. And so whether it's something silly or whether it's something serious, there's quite a few of them that are, you know, doing some real good out there, um, which, you know, makes them endearing. And then there's some that are just, you know, grumpy. But anyway, <laughs> actually, okay. <clears throat> I'll talk about one driver that's not on the grid anymore. Kimmy, Kimmy Raikkonen. Yep. He, he, he always, he always seemed like a grump with the media, but like, if you look at this guy's Instagram now that he's retired, it's nothing but pictures of him, like playing with his kids and like fixing his kids carts. Cause his, both of his, both of his kids now, I think his daughter's his oldest child. His daughter's definitely old enough to be competitive in carting and she's pretty good. Um, so there's just pictures of him like, working on the cart just being dad you know uh so it's like kimmy kimmy had this very kind of Iceman exterior but uh, and maybe he really was like that early in his career but 20 years changes the man and he, and he seems like this very fun wholesome dad that's just having fun in his retirement so good on you kimmy i know you'll never listen to this because you don't care about what anything in the media says but we're not the media we're a patreon podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so i want to talk about the race but before we talk about the race, we're going to take a break. and We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. 
Hello, friends. Haldan here. After a long day of chopping trees and removing orcs' heads from their shoulders, I work up a mighty thirst. That's when I crack open a can of Minas Tirith Light. This golden ale goes down as smooth as the Anduin, and with only three calories, I can keep my swole bod. Ah. Minas Tirith Light. It shows its quality. Minas Tirith Light contains alcohol. Please drink responsibly. Unless you are Nalir, in which case we don't care if you get blind drunk and stumble into the cracks of doom. Well, thank you, Haldan, for that uh, very, very sensual beer ad. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't drink and drive. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Or no, what what is it? When it's uh when you drink, never drive. That's what Heineken says on all their on all their oh, stuff. Really? That's I guess I, I, I guess all so. the track. Yeah. And that's one thing I've really noticed about I have been trying to follow IndyCar a little bit more since there's a lot of uh, former uh, former Formula One drivers over there. And there's just not nearly the level of on track sponsorship in IndyCar. So sometimes it just looks like they're just driving between concrete barricades because that's really all they're doing. But at least when they're driving between concrete barricades and Formula One, there's sponsors everywhere, you know, down the <laughs> down the side of the, the concrete. Um, yeah. It's like there's there's some IndyCar races that just look like a prison break. <laughs> Which we should have Brandon on to talk about prison break, a, a, a 20-year retrospective on, <laughs> on prison break. Hey, here's our episode within an episode. Brandon is now going to talk about prison break for 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> So let's talk about the race. Let's let's talk about the Miami Grand Prix. This was the first one ever in Miami. Not the first one in Florida. There was uh, Sebring is a thing that happened. It was a long time ago. There has been a Grand Prix in Florida before. It was the first one in Miami, or at least in the neighborhood of Miami. It was at uh, around the Hard Rock Stadium. We were some of us were very concerned that it was just going to be a race in a car park like the Las Vegas Grand Prix was back in the early '80s which was terrible. Uh, but no, it was, it was looked like a, a good, uh, looked like a good track. It looked like it was going to be a good track. And so uh, attracted, you know, they were really billing it as the American Monaco and with all the glitz and the glamour. And in many ways, I feel like it kind of did live up to being the American Monaco, but just general thoughts about the race before we get into kind of the results, general thoughts about the race, the atmosphere, all that, what you guys got? Hated the marina. I, I got to start with this. <laughs> the the okay. So my problem with it is of uh, people don't quite under know what I'm talking about. As John said, it was around Hard Rock Stadium, which is the Miami Dolphins uh, American Football Team as their stadium, and they built this track around it. And they originally wanted it near the water uh, because it's like that's a huge part of Miami South Beach, right? Ask LeBron. Um, but I'm guessing what happened was they ran into some regulation stuff because of the Miami Heat basketball team being in the postseason at the same time. And they're probably like, we can't have so many events in this area. People will not be able to get anywhere at all. So they, they couldn't do it. That's what I'm going to guess really happened. Um, I'm not exactly sure. That would be my speculation. Um, mm. So instead of being able to be near the water and have the beach in the background and stuff is what they wanted, they built this fake marina. And what I don't like about it that's a cool idea, right? I think. Um, what I don't like about it, though, is all they did was basically paint the ground blue and put some boats on it. And I was just like, this is stupid. Like, 
look, man, you're really, really rich. You can't yeah. fill up a tank of water yeah. and put it there and put some boats yeah. in it. I'm like, yeah. that's my problem with it. I know you're rich. I know you could have done it. <laughs> like you should have, it would have been cooler had there actually been water. That's my rant about something that has nothing to do with the race is this stupid marina thing, which I thought was a cool idea when they said it. I saw it and I was like, this is dumb as hell. Uh, yeah. I agree on the marina. I, I like when I saw what the water was, because I mean, on the renderings, it looks like, oh, they're going to actually have boats and in, in water in a pool. Like that's that's kind of excessive and stupid. But OK, I mean, that's kind of fun. Like this could be fine. That's the point. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. Saying, like if it's, if it's like Monaco, it's supposed to be this like ritzy glitzy. Mm-hmm. We're busting all out. That's what you should do. Go the full distance. Like, come on. Yeah. And this this was but this was like real boats on fake water. I mean, it wasn't even like they painted the ground blue. It's like they they printed a bunch of banners to with this right. like, uh, yeah. this <laughs> Minecraft water texture or something. <laughs> and and so it was it was solid. Like you could uh, you know, oh man, it was dumb. It was so dumb. It was so dumb. Yeah. I, if they had been if there had been any real water at all, like even if that had been like the bottom of it and then and then there was like a couple of inches of real water, I would have given them credit for trying. But no, <laughs> that yep. was big, so bad. <laughs> big che- drop off. So che- it was so cheesy uh, to see. Um, I, I want to ask you. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, No, go ahead, Sheldon, because I, I, I'm going to take us to another topic here. Oh, I was going to go for something else dumb pre-race as well, uh, which was the, the grid walk beforehand, uh, which is something I was not familiar with. Again, kind of just getting into F1. I've never seen, I, I didn't realize that this was a thing where they have like a whole bunch of like celebrities come down and all these sorts of things. But, mm. but I love that, uh, that, you know, we, we've got actual American celebrities who I sort of recognize a couple of the names compared to probably a lot of the other races around the world. But the, uh, the sky sports reporter going up Martin, to, Martin uh, yeah. Martin Brundle to to Paolo Bancaro, the Duke basketball star, because he thought that he was uh, Patrick Mahomes was was spectacular. Uh, in his I defense, they do look. In his defense, they do look kind of similar, but uh, you know, Bancaro yeah. like very clearly looks like a baby. You know, he's only just turned nineteen, yeah. I think. Um, but that that was that was my uh, my pre race highlight was was that oh mess up God, there. That's so yeah. funny. I- I did not watch the pre-race stuff because I watched uh, NBA pregame, so I missed that. Ah, oh, my God, that's so funny. Oh man, we sadly don't get Brundle's grid walks on on uh, F1 TV because that's a Sky Sports only thing. And there's this weird like the the F1 TV international coverage will give you the Sky Sports feed, but only during the race and post race itself, not not during uh, not during anything else. It's very strange. Anyway. So yeah, I I, got, I missed all of Brundle's stuff. I I heard about it. I saw a little bit of it after the fact, but I. I, I missed it that afternoon and yeah, his, okay. So the grid walk is always, it, it's always kind of a mess. Um, some are better than others. Certainly in, in the U S it's an extra big mess because there are so many like internationally known celebrities that are in the United States right. that are, you know, very big in countries where F1 is really, really a thing. And it's, it's frequently a disaster um with with that but like in, in other in other you know in, in other races like when they go to italy i mean i'm sure at monza like it'll be you know a bunch of former drivers and a bunch of former ferrari drivers and such and so that'll martin will be more in his element and it's that's that can be a little more interesting but yeah the grid walks are always a little, little awkward I, there is one that they do just for f1 tv but it's um will buxton and he's just being really earnest all the time 
about <laughs> things. Because <laughs> he's Ernest Wilbuxton. He seems like a nice guy. I'm sure he's actually a nice guy. He's just a super earnest guy about everything, and I'm wary of extra earnestness. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's there was a lot of glitz, a lot of glamour. It was cool to see, uh, I think he was in the back of the Mercedes garage, but uh, George Lucas was just chilling in the back of the Merc garage during qualifying. I'm like, what? It's George Lucas back there. <laughs> was um, our friend Gecko TH, Tom, also in the background of that picture? Like he was in that hilarious yeah yoda, or yeah or not yoda, maybe yoda meme <laughs> one yeah maybe maybe tom is, has has been lurking around somewhere i shouldn't we should reach out to him and find out but yeah <laughs> i didn't see him uh but there were there were a few other celebrity signings and there was there was actually a really cool picture did you guys see the picture of uh of hamilton michael jordan um david beckham and tom brady uh, unfortunately yes <laughs> yeah yeah that's well right a lot of a lot of championship hardware in that There's picture. There's a lot yes. of hardware in that picture. Like that was, I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. As as someone who has not really followed the NBA since uh, Jordan retired the first time, I was like, oh yeah, MJ. You know, pulls the heartstrings, and then I don't, I, I I know I know Beckham as soccer guy or sorry football guy, but I just don't follow that at all. So. Oh, I I can explain why he was there. I mean, there's two reasons he was there. One, he uh he owns uh or he's part owner of an MLS team, uh, mm. Inter Miami FC. So he's there. Also, I mean, I, a posh had to be there, right? Because Jerry showed up, right? Too, so we had right. had the mini Spice Girls reunion too. So mm. yep, yep. For, for those also, Beckham just shows up at anything where he can be good looking and famous. He's got to be there yeah. <laughs> with his neck tattoos. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Just because you got money doesn't mean you got taste. All right. Um, so <laughs> the race itself, this was an interesting track. This was a, uh, it was, it's a, it's a, they called it a hybrid circuit, which I, and they said it was the first hybrid circuit, which I don't think is really true. So Formula One generally races on either a purpose-built track, something like Monza, which is a track that is only a track. It only exists as a track. You cannot drive your regular car on the track. It exists only as a racetrack. Uh, they race on places like that, or they race on street circuits like Monaco or someplace like Albert Park in in um, Australia mm-hmm. or in Melbourne, Australia, to be specific, because there have been other spots that they've raced in Australia. But Albert Park really is kind of this hybrid circuit idea. Like saying Miami is the first hybrid circuit is sort of nonsense because Albert Park also is a, is a track that has a surface laid for it specifically for F1. That yes, during the year you can just get on your bike and drive around the park, you know, on your bike and ride around the whole circuit. And sure, you know, the grandstands and and all the barriers and stuff aren't up all the time, but like the pit building is there, you know, the the, the track surface itself is there. Like you can go and it go around the track, no problem. Um, a, a pure street circuit would be something like Singapore, where you can actually drive around, quote unquote, drive around the the, the Singapore circuit on uh, Google Earth, on Google Street View, and just go around the different corners and see what it's like to drive it in a car, and it's terrible. Um, this one in Miami was um, is in the area around the stadium, and it was purpose built, but but uh, right now is currently being torn down. So it has definitely some issues in the design. It wasn't designed by the usual. Um, designer of a lot of the recent tracks, Herman Tilke, it was designed by, I think, Apex Circuit Designs, which is a very generic name for it's like, <laughs> for a track designer. You know, Apex, 
Well, corners have those. There we go. Uh, Apex. Apex circuit design. We we got it. There's our name right out of the gate. Perfect. In one. But Apex designed mostly an interesting track. Actually, there were there were looked like there were some going to be some good opportunities for a lot of uh, a lot of action. But unfortunately, seems to have had some trouble with the actual surface itself. So, did you guys follow any of that during uh, during the weekend? Saw some drivers complaining about, uh, I think it was bumpy. And then there was, uh, I think I watched either practice or qualifying and people were talking about it needs a second line. So it was going to be difficult to pass because it was new. So kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was the big thing is that there's no, <clears throat> there's no real second line around it. And in part because of the surface itself, uh, also in part because of just the heat, because the, the, for those that aren't familiar, the, the tires are very sensitive to heat in that they, they have an operating window they need to be in where they will be extremely grippy and provide a lot of good traction. But if you get them too hot, the, the tires essentially just start to fall apart. And if you get them too hot and then put them on a surface that's too rough where there isn't enough rubber laid down, they really start to fall apart. And that's why there wasn't really a second line during the uh, during the late afternoon times at the of race and qualifying. Um, this was really an issue for these cars because these cars are they're better at following each other over a long a period of time than the last year's cars were but they're still uh, they're still very aero dependent in some ways and still very dependent on the tires actually being able to perform uh, and provide that provide that traction to provide you know more opportunities for passing because the thing about these cars is that they they are extremely good at braking and when you have these really short braking zones you and these really narrow margins for braking, you don't have these larger opportunities for overtakes to happen because you don't have these disparities in the brake performance between the cars. Uh, so, you know, you see, you see like back in the old days, you watch some of these races from the 90s before they had anything like the drag reduction system, DRS, or anything like that, um, that you would, you would see passes being set up for laps in advance, just chasing someone down and chasing someone down and setting it up and, and kind of like giving them a, giving, you know, let's say you're, you're planning to make the pass in turn three in, in a couple of laps. Well, a couple of laps before you kind of, you kind of give them a, a, a fake sort of attempt at a pass and, and kind of see how they react and you learn kind of what you can do, you know, just beautiful racecraft. Now it's basically, well, these cars are really fast. They're really aero dependent and we're going to have do the drag reduction system on the straights where if you're within a second of the car in front of you, press a button on your steering wheel and a flap opens up in the wing. It reduces the drag on the car and the car goes, you know, just a few miles an hour faster, but it's enough to close the gap. And you then put your car in a position where it's hard for the other guy to box you out, basically, and you get by them. It can still make for some interesting racecraft. It's still, it's not a horrible product. There's a lot of people that really hate DRS. I would like to see it go away, uh, ultimately. But, you know, it, it does, it, it allows these cars to, to pass more. And I, I, maybe we'll get to a point where we don't need it. But anyway, that's a whole... Broader scope thing, not really related to to the to this particular race, because honestly, guys, I mean, like first ten laps were, I mean, there was a lot going on. Yeah, the first, the I mean, for me, the first couple laps of every race seemed just absolutely insanely exciting. Mm -hmm. Since I've only watched, you know, a small handful of races now here at the beginning of the season, like I, it's tough for me to say how it really feels in comparison to. The other ones, because I'm just shocked that 20 cars don't crash into each other on the first uh -huh. corner. 
in in all these races still that I'm watching. But yeah, the first few laps of the this race were definitely much more exciting than say the uh, middle thirty <laughs> or so mm-hmm. that we we got kind of once everybody settled in. There there was especially kind of toward the mid of the pack there and, and toward the back there was a lot of stuff going on at the beginning of this one. Mm-hmm. Sure. I missed the first two laps. <laughs> I uh, uh, yeah, I was uh, as I mentioned, I was doing you were NBA watching stuff, NBA, and then suddenly I was like, oh, got to switch over to the race because I was, and then. I was like, oh, I missed the first two laps or whatever. Like, that's ah, too bad. That's okay. I did see that um, the one thing I noticed was that Russell had dropped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of like, because I had just turned it on and I saw his position and I was like, hmm, that seems weird. He didn't qualify that poorly. And I saw he was on a hard tire and I was like, oh, he must be losing ground because the hard tire must mm-hmm. suck right now or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more of that later, I suppose. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, well, let's, I, let's, one thing I wanted to ask you about, John, though, you mentioned the hot track thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw there were a lot of people saying that they were having problems in the pits because stuff was too hot. What, what was up with that? I don't quite understand why. Um, was like equipment just not working because it was too hot or what the heck is going on? Yeah. So what you get is uh, as the metal, I mean, you know, metal, uh, it does it does things as it gets hot and you get it out. I mean, these are obviously highly engineered uh, machines, but. Uh, as as the as the metal expands, as it gets kind of beyond its designed operating range for temperature, uh, you can have things where wheel nuts will just seize up, and and won't come off of like it, basically you're not able to loosen them to get the the wheel off the way the I mean you guys know this maybe our listeners don't but the 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 way the uh, wheels are attached on a Formula One car there's just one big wheel nut in the middle so it's a lot quicker to get off and that's why you can have these you know two second ish stops. Um, but yeah, the the problem, and we saw this even with uh, with Lando, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, a a wheel nut that's just a little sticky because it's just too hot and it's expanded a little bit too much can cost you a lot of time. Potentially, you can run into a situation like uh, like uh, Bottas had in Monaco uh, last year, where the wheel nut's just completely stuck and the um, the the air gun basically just machines it off like it like it smooths off it's like stripping out a screw where you're not able to get it off at all so like it's a real concern if you have to use the wheel gun more than a couple of times you're potentially you're going to strip the thing and so it might be you know the heat might cause it to get so stuck that you end up having to retire the car because you can't get the wheel off so mm-hmm. that was a big part of it um there weren't as many issues as, as i was expecting as far as like brakes overheating and and you know fires with with stuff like that but um but yeah, the the main thing I think was just to do with with the wheel nuts and uh, having the pit stops get completely messed up. Okay, yeah, because that's what uh, a few people had that problem, and I was like, I, I didn't quite understand because, of course, as mm. you said, the pit takes about even a, a bad one, it's taking like five seconds. So it's like uh, they don't really have time to explain. Like they're just like, oh, he's having a bad pit. Okay, he's out of there. It's like, yep. okay, I, I could tell it was slower because they're showing me the times. You know, instead of being like two point eight seconds, it's like. 5.6 and it's like oh mm-hmm. no you know but it's like uh yeah so yeah thanks for explaining that i didn't quite get sure. what was going on there sure so let's let's do i'm, I'm gonna steal a, a format from my favorite f1 podcast three legs four wheels and let's let's talk about the race kind of team by team and i'll maybe we'll start at the it's, it's hard to start at the back for this one because it was everything was kind of jumbled in the in the back of the pack but uh we'll start with oh boy Aston Martin. Oh, Aston Martin. Let's mm, that that was a 
that was a hard weekend for them. It's been a hard year for them so far. Although I guess they've they've got six points, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is unfortunate for them because I think they did have Sheldon mentioned this kind of boring 30 minutes of or 30 laps of the race. They actually mm-hmm. were in the most interesting part of the race, which mm-hmm. was uh, them versus Haas. They were kind of working different strategies. Aston Martin was trying to stay out there. Haas had come in. Uh, they were, you know, it was often one, one, another, one, another on the teams, and or they'd be like one, but the teams would be split up. It was, it was, it was pretty interesting, and that was kind of the only intrigue for a lot of the race was like, are these Haas cars going to be able to pass these mm-hmm. two Aston Martin cars? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it all kind of went pear shaped for them. Uh, I think there's a big moment we want to talk about where it kind of mixed a lot of stuff up. But yeah, kind of, I would have to say for them, um, probably disappointing as their strategy actually was a pretty good one, but it just didn't happen for them. Sometimes it's that way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they definitely. So the, I mean, the, the thing that could be frustrating about this is after you get, you know, a couple dozen laps into the race and you, and the pit window starts opening up, this field is so spread out that the, you know, 25 ish seconds it takes you to come into the pit get changed and then get back out of the pit and get back up to racing speed can move you into tra- a bundle of traffic. And it, if you get just behind someone, it can be, it actually can be pretty hard to pass them, even though you're on fresher tires. Cause if they're just a little bit faster than you, you know, if, if the car is just a little bit better at, at a base level than, than yours is uh, the advantage you get to the tires is kind of nullified and especially on a track like this where there's not a lot of passing opportunities outside of just drs zones and you know getting a run down a straight on somebody um you're really going to run into issues because you know if you have four cars in this case you had four cars that were all in what's called a drs train where they're all like the after the lead one the other three are all getting the drs off of the lead one and the lead one's just making his car wide enough that uh that it's not easy for that car just behind him to pass him so you'd never really get the the blockage broken up and again with these tires they start running hotter the closer you're running behind somebody and the longer you're running right behind somebody so these brand new tires you have all of a sudden in five laps are really shot and shot way earlier than they should be so that was that was what we saw between aston martin and haas and so we might as well talk about haas right now as well because um you know this season they've been doing far better than they've had been in the last couple of years and it's good to see you know good to see them be a legit midfield team um but man that that whole that whole just kind of cluster of them and and Aston was was an absolute mess because we saw the so for those that that that, that don't know uh, one of the Hoskick Schumacher is the son of Michael Schumacher uh, arguably now well now you have to say one of the best uh one of the best drivers of all time and mick is a capable formula one driver i think he belongs in the grid but he's not he's not exactly setting everything on fire like his dad did and he's been taken under the wing of sebastian fettel who is a wily veteran who really looked up to uh, michael schumacher as he was coming up and so vettel kind of in that you know playing the older brother role um to to mick it was really really crazy to see mick and Vettel collide late in the race. Yeah, that was a really, really tough break. I thought for me because he wasn't. He, I thought he was going to finish in the points. It looked good. You know, you mentioned mm-hmm. if they had been able to get by um, 
Aston Martins, I think, you know, he definitely probably would have. But because he got stuck in this kind of like log jam for so long, it actually really, really hurt him because they looked pretty decent. I thought both at times both Magnuson and Schumacher looked pretty frisky, I would say, for some mm-hmm. points. Um, but yeah, at the end of that race, I was, that was, I have to say, pretty, pretty disappointing for me because he doesn't have any points yet. It, uh, and it, the season, it's his second season, I think, right? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, so you, and I don't think he's gotten any points ever, correct? No, no, none, no, none points. <laughs> none points. Yeah. And, and it really looked like this was the week for him because, as you mentioned, really hard to pass. He was in like ninth, I think, when he crashed right. or something like that. And yep. yeah, just a tough break, tough, tough break for him. Looking so good, I thought, and doing a really good job of kind of hanging in there mm-hmm. in, a, in a mid-pack car and yeah. should have gotten points. But uh, yeah, they had that kind of weird crash <laughs> yeah i mean those are those are the type of just killer results for for these type of teams where any points matter mm-hmm. for those constructors standings and dollars at the end of the season and to yep. be looking at maybe both of your drivers scoring points you know around lap 50 or so the, mm-hmm. to both of them being out is just got to be crushing for for haas there yeah, I mean, because like right now they're eighth in the standings. They would have e- easily have been seventh if they had, you know, if if Schumacher had placed where you know in ninth, they they would have been seventh, no question. And the so again, if you're not familiar with the sport, the constructors points. So all the drivers they get points for how they finish. At least the top ten drivers in every race get points for how they finish. And so the individual drivers are competing for a championship based on the amount of points they collect. But then the constructors, the teams get points the combined points of their two drivers so then the teams then have or the constructors then have their own championship that they're competing in so it is possible to win both it's possible to win one and not the other that's what happened last year um so it is it is a uh, it, it can really be a team game even as these guys are trying to compete for their best position for themselves um so yeah this was this was going to be a huge thing because the money that you get out of at the end of the season is based on your constructors points not necessarily your drivers points so while two consistent drivers bringing home the points every week is going to do you you know is going to do a lot better than constructors it is also possible to have one driver that's just doing awesome another driver that's really in the dumps and still do decently well in the constructors so anyway that's a structural breakdown for those that maybe aren't familiar although if you're not familiar with formula one how bored are you at work right now listening to this? My gosh. Anyway. <laughs> I'd be surprised if you made it this far. <laughs> I know. We're like right? almost an hour into this thing. Jeez. Um, yeah. I, the, the, I mean, it was just such a, it was such a little mental mistake from, from uh, Mick on this one that, and Vettel just happened to be in the wrong place. Like it was, it was one of those things that it, it hurt because you know, the off track, like these guys are, are really close and it's really wholesome to see, you know, Seb being kind of the, older brother figure and all that with Mick and you and um, for those that don't know Mick's dad Michael had a had a skiing accident in 2012 and like nobody knows what, what his condition really is we just know there's a lot of brain damage and like there's he's not not appeared publicly since then the family's been extremely private about it there's just they don't talk about it you know uh, and and so everyone w- with with his with his dad being really out of the picture you know it's nice to see you know, Mick having this older, uh, not necessarily father figure because the age difference isn't there, but definitely older brother figure there um, 
coaching him up and and the fact that that Mick ran into Seb is just a bummer. Just a bummer. But anyway. <laughs> it's Yeah, uh, he's a young driver. Uh, he's going to make mistakes, right? You know, that's exactly. something. I, I and I know Vettel uh, he's going to be frustrated by it, you know, uh oh, but man. it's one of the things is as the veteran guy, you know that younger guys are going to do things you're like that was really stupid, you know? Uh, yep. Why did you do that? And we see it across sports, right? There's always the guy who's like the veteran, the guy who's the young guy, the, the, the veterans always reaming out the young guys because it's just like, man, you just got to learn, right? And yep. So, yeah. Well, and, and you know, who knows how much longer Vettel's going to be around. I mean, he, he does not have the body language of someone that's going to stay in this thing pretty long. Like just as bad as Aston's been doing and as, as hard as that car looks to, to drive, I don't know, man, like, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be his last season or not, but I don't, I don't see him having five more in him, you know? No. Uh, and we talked a little bit about kind of the being able to cheer against the, the, the rich jerks and in, in the sport and stuff. And I think stroll is my, oh, yeah. my favorite person to hate in formula one. They, they did a really good yeah. job of painting him up as a, a nice villain and drive to survive. So it, it'd be nice to get Vettel out of there for me since I, you know, like him well enough so I could just cheer huh. against the strolls completely. Huh. Well, if uh, I, it's a very, I mean, with, with Audi talking about um, coming into formula one, it's not going to be an expansion team. It's going to be, they're going to buy somebody. And I think it's going to be Aston. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if, if daddy stroll goes away, then stroll junior goes away as well. Right. So, you know, take, uh, take that for, for what you will. Um, Cause yeah, he is, I mean, he is definitely not, Man, you don't like you don't want to just bash the guy, but because like he's he's been on the podium what two or three times I think it was with when he was with Williams when Williams was you know before Williams was really bad. I mean they were kind of like uh, kind of lucky things, but anyway he's you know I, he's got by this point has to be over a hundred races under his belt. Like he's been around for a while, mm-hmm. but he's still basically a pay driver. As is as is the other Canadian, uh, pay driver be- meaning that they're basically they're they're not necessarily there on their racing skill and merit, although they they have the super license points and the experience at least to to say that they can be there. But there are probably other more talented but um, less rich drivers in Formula Two or off you know racing World Endurance Championship or something like that that could be called in to uh, take that seat and maybe do better with the car. So yeah, this was a this was a, a track at points that the points that kind of look like Baku really uh, seem to fit Stroll's driving style because he's really good at driving in a straight line, slamming on the brakes, hard ninety degree turn, driving in a straight line again. Um, <laughs> so you know, when he can do that, he he, he does reasonably well. But yeah, yeah, I can understand him being a villain for many people, and and DTS does a good job of making him out that way. Uh, it does, certainly doesn't do his dad any favors. My God. Okay. <laughs> was it season three? I think it's season three where he's like, all right, you have 10 minutes. Ugh. Jerk. What a jerk. Yep. What? Yeah. Stroll, he, he's okay, but he's probably not up, not up to snuff, right? He's like, he's totally competent, but if you yep. were actually trying to win, you would replace him. Like, right. He's fine. He's like a, uh, uh, C to be yeah but you want a's so you would normally move on 
Yeah, I mean, there's especially when you got somebody like Oscar Piastri just sitting around cooling his, you know, cooling his heels. It's like they, there are other drivers out there that could do more with that car and and could get, you know, could be, I think, better as as um, uh, you know, give better feedback to the engineers and the team. Uh, especially when you got somebody like Seb there, who is just, I mean, the, the guy. Like, if you haven't seen it, you got to go watch him rattle off uh, all the F1 champions in like in reverse order. Um, and the guy is just such a nerd for the sport in both, you know, the trivia side, but also the technical side. Uh, he, he just, he's known for like in park for nosing around and looking at other, other teams, cars and like not touching them, obviously, but just looking up real close at them and seeing what they're doing. And, and, you know, it's, it's so great. And, and it would just be great to see him paired with an, another young driver that, or with a younger driver that, um, could really bring the goods. So anyway, yeah. Aston's a, 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 a that's that's a hard team right now. Plus, my daughter was really annoyed when they went from Force India, or uh, Racing Point rather, and got rid of the BWT sponsorship, so they were no longer the pink car. But now Alpine <laughs> is the pink car, so everything's fine. My daughter's mm-hmm. an Alpine fan now. All right, let's move. Let's move mi- yeah, I know, I know. It's like she's eight or something. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's move mildly up the grid a little bit. Williams in the points. And then also Williams with a driver with no points, a driver that is technically 21st in a 20 driver championship. The other Canadian. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas uh, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's very weird. Uh, Hulkenberg placed higher in the couple of races he did. So uh, Latifi, who is a full-time driver, is 21st in a 20 driver championship. But Alex Alvon, triumphant return back to Formula One. He's frisky. They've done some interesting strategies. So far, Williams. I think that's the classic, like, because uh, we're like baseball fans, all of us. Mm-hmm. Remember, like, the Rays, they would, like, uh, scrape by for, like, scratch everything they could out of a team and try to maximize every little thing to kind of get to, to the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. Um, Williams is kind of like, that reminds me of that, where they're employing some weird strategies. They're really kind of trying some stuff. And I have to say I'm impressed. They're, I don't. Uh, we'll get to a prediction about them, but I'm not sure that they're as bad as that they've been in recent years. I think Albon might actually be decent to good, which helps. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously not as good as Russell, who, who they had last year, but I don't mm-hmm. think their car was probably as good. And um, when people watch Strive to Survive, they saw they basically brought in a new guy who's like, well, we need to rethink the way that we're doing things because the way you're doing it is not working. And I, I think it's paying dividends. Um, I, cause yeah, I, I believe was it? Yeah. Them, they did a strategy, the strategy where he stayed out for all but like one lap in a race mm-hmm. and pitted and got points, mm-hmm. which was like, um, <laughs> I remember the because he announced that race were like, would they just basically take the L, leave him out there the whole time and not get points? But then they pitted him, got points anyway, and it was like, hmm, interesting. So, um, I think this could be a team I don't want to say to watch for because they're not going to be, you know, that competitive that often, but I think right. they can. Catch the people by surprise with their alternate thinking, their galaxy brains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like John mentioned, I think they are at a bit of a disadvantage there with Latifi just not finishing hardly any races. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does finish, finishing practically dead last every weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it, obviously the car is not as good as the cars in front of them, but when you have, like you were saying, another one of these kind of pay drivers uh they're taking up a spot on the team as well 
you know, there, it's funny kind of just to timestamp this one. There was actually a report out today that proved to be inaccurate that he had been, was going to be replaced today. Did you see that, John? Yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah, it was that. a whole big kerfuffle in the, the F1 yeah. world because everybody's like, there's no way they're firing him in the middle of the season. And, and it turns yeah. out, no, they didn't. But it, it, everybody kind of believed it for a second because, mm-hmm. well, he has not been good. He's not been good enough. So anytime someone's like, hey, he might be on the chopping block, you got to kind of be like, mm, maybe, you know. Yeah, and he has to know it. I mean, it's his third year. Uh, he's never, I think he outqualified Russell once in the two years they were together. Mm-hmm. Maybe? Yeah, I remember that being kind of a thing last year. It happened once. And just, uh, I mean, he's, again, uh, definitely a pay driver. Uh, for a while there, last season, almost all of the, and certainly the season before, Almost all the sponsorships in the car were ones that had to do with businesses his dad owns. And, yeah, it was just, it, it's it's frustrating to see. Because, again, I don't think he's an awful driver. And certainly he had the, you know, he had some of the pedigree in Formula 2. He, he wasn't setting Formula 2 alight like uh, Russell did or like uh, like Lando did or, um, or even uh, uh, Charles, for that matter. But the he just hasn't performed to the level that, I mean, he, he should be the, he should be the a driver in that team. He should be the number one driver in that team. He's got the most experience with that team and he's just getting done week in and week out by, by Albon who has, I mean, I, I like uh, Albon got done dirty by the, the, the grinder that is the Red Bull, Red Bull driver yeah. program. Uh, Cause he, I mean, he was doing he was doing great in um, was it still it was still Toro Rosso then or what? Where's that the year it switched to Alvatore? Anyway, the the Red Bull B team he was doing great there, and then got pulled up to be mid season to be Max Verstappen's teammate in a car that did not suit his driving style at all, and then the next year it super didn't suit his driving style, and he got canned, and just. It seemed very, I mean, that's the, that's the nature of it. You know, that's the nature of the sport. I'm not going to say it's unfair so much as just that's the nature of the sport. They all know it getting into it. But it's good to see him back on the grid. It's good to see him on a team that is hungry. Uh, and it's good to see Williams getting semi-reliable points uh, doing, you know, like, like you said, galaxy brain things during races and sneaking into the points. And uh, good on him. I wish they had a second driver because they might get double points every now and then, but. Anyway, mm-hmm. we'll see. Yep. We'll see what happens to Latifi. I, I I would not be surprised to see him off the grid doing something else next year, and to see I don't even know who they have on the bench in the young driver program. Um, because it's like well, it's like technically they have Jamie Chadwick as their development driver, or is she, wait, is she their development? Yeah, she's 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 actually is their development driver. Yeah, but like. She doesn't have the super license points to, to get an F1 seat, and nor does she have any time in, in Formula 2. The fastest she's done is Formula 3, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that's, the, the people who make that jump are almost, it's basically just Max Verstappen anymore, you know, and that was, and, and then they, they changed the super license system so that you can't do that anymore anyway. So you can't, you know, you don't have the qualifications to, to jump that high. So they really, I mean, they've got a couple of, I guess they've got a couple of development drivers in, um, in Formula Two, but like Dan, Dan Tictum is not going to get it. I think he's doing WC this year, anyway. So yeah, anyway, I haven't been following Formula Two as much as I, I had in years past, but 
Um, all that to say, I don't know who else they're going to put in that seat. So it could be interesting. Maybe they back up the money truck to Alpine and say, hey, can we have Piastri? I would love to see Piastri on the grid, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Anyway. Yeah, based on what we've seen from Williams this year, if they had a second body who was like good, they could be actually frisky because mm-hmm. like was it Alpine's had a couple of nice finishes. And if they had somebody, like you said he's his third year, he should be more experienced, he should be ready to go. If they had somebody who was, who could kind of help more, I think they, they actually are trending upwards. I think yeah. so. They just have a, they have a, 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 they just base. I hate to say this, but they basically got a corpse in one of their cars because he's not helping them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 All right. Well, that's enough beating a dead Canadian horse. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about that Red Bull B team, the AlphaTauri team. Uh, yeah. So this was, this was kind of a, actually, where did they, where did they finish? Yeah. Sonoda. Oh, was it just out of the points? Okay. They were both out of the points. Gosh, that's right. Because Gasly had, Gasly had, the, had the run in with Alonzo there. Yeah. yeah, had the run yep. in with Alonzo and then had the run in with uh, with with uh, Lando that we'll get to here in a bit. Um, man, that was a bad weekend. That was just a bad weekend for him. Gasly is such a good driver. Mm-hmm. That guy that guy needs to be in a top level team somewhere. Um, I don't know where. I mean, Red Bull's not going to. Maybe, you know, I don't know maybe Hamilton retires after this year and, and Mercedes just drops a pot of money to, to go get Gasly. Cause man, that would be a crazy good team. I mean, he's a race winner. He's, he just has dragged. I mean, the, the, the car's okay this year, but that car has been a boat before. And he has just dragged that car onto the podium and reliably into the points out of nowhere. You don't see him doing anything all weekend. And all of a sudden decent qualifying and, Pretty good race result. This guy's great. Then you have Sonoda, yep. who likes to swear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to build your brand somewhere, right? Right. Yeah, we were talking. You were talking about uh, Albon with that, you know, Red Bull burn as well. You know, that Gasly was kind of the other half of that there in 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still obviously kind of on their on their B team here, but like you said, it'd be nice to see him kind of get out from underneath that makes both him and Albon pretty easy to cheer for. I think if you've watched that season of drive to survive with them, you know, mm-hmm. kind of just getting jerked around by, by Christian, you know, pulling people in and out of cars and that sort of thing. So well, technically by, technically by helmet Marco, who uh, right. is, yeah. Wanted to, at one point in 2020, just set up a COVID camp so that all of the people would, you know, associate with the organization would just get it and have it be over with it. Ugh. Yeah. So that's helmet Marco for you. <laughs> Noted. Noted humanist and, and humanitarian and philanthropist Helmut Marco. Yeah, well, his name is Helmut, which makes you instantly right. It's like a Marvel villain, villain at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah, you're like yeah, this guy is definitely evil, right? You know. Uh, yeah, he I, is. I had. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And he has a glass eye, so I mean, it's total Bond villain. Like he, the guy just just dropped out of the Bond villain mold. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, slaps only, right? That's that's what they're going to be doing in the pits. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I did note that this was one of the teams uh, that tried. So there's this. Uh, we have not talked about it too much. Uh, the Lando Norris crash that kind of changed the complexion of the race. Mm. This was a team that did try the soft tires at the end mm-hmm. because, <laughs> but it just unfortunately for them, it just didn't work out. Um, too hot. I think a lot of people thought that 
this late the race with the uh, I think when they restarted there were like ten laps left maybe something ish. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know hey going from to the soft tires at the end could get you some uh, ground, but unfortunately you mentioned Gasly had some problems. Uh, he and that <laughs> he had a nightmare basically in the second half of that race did not mm-hmm. did not pan out any way that he would have wanted it. Yeah, it didn't just really just didn't work for uh, Sonoda either. He couldn't quite get up enough, but. Um, you know, credit to them for trying something, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't always work. And we said it, this is the hard thing about racing and F1 is there's so much strategy to it, but strategy, um, sometimes it feels like it doesn't matter because of the way that the track is set up. Uh, and you, know. you hear them talk about it, pri- you know, pre racing these things too. Anytime you've got a new course. With a new surface, you know, everybody, nobody has a, a great idea. You only get so many laps out there on your practice sessions and these sorts of things to start cooking up these strategies. So it makes sense that, you know, there might be some some that don't quite pan out as well the first time on one of these new courses. So next up is Alpine. And I, I kind of, as we work our way through the rest of the, the mid-grid here, I want to, we're going to kind of cook through these, I think, because Alpine was... um I mean, they, wow, wow, Alonzo, that was, <laughs> he, he just had a proper, like, I don't know what he had. It wasn't even sending it. He, he just strove into, uh, into Gasly and ended up getting a five second penalty that, that knocked Alpine out of a double points finish. I mean, Ocon had a, had a reasonably good result, uh, finishing eighth, but they were, I don't, even, I don't even know about them this year. I don't know. Like, it seems like the car should be, you know, should be better than it, than it has been. But but they're just kind of farting around at sixth in the in the constructors. And it feels like they should be more more towards the front of the grid. But especially with their driver lineup. I don't know. You think that's a little bit of residual for that? Uh, what was the race where they were like, oh, he... Uh, Alonso could have had the pole or something like that, and so we have maybe we had this impression mm-hmm. that they're ahead of where they actually are, because they had one race where they could have been really competitive, and the rest they're just kind of like, yeah, they're yeah. fine. Uh, I wonder Arabia, if that's maybe I think. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. It may it may be it. I mean, because you know you got a multi-time, uh, two-time world champion in Alonso, probably could have had at least two others, um, and I mean one of one of the it's again. One of the greatest drivers of all time. Okay, certainly one of the greatest drivers of his generation. It's a pretty stacked generation of drivers. Um, so yeah, puts him in the conversation for among the greatest of all time. And I mean, the the guy's immensely talented. Came back last year and has really pulled that team along. Uh, also with Altmar uh, Safnauer, I think I said his last name right. Now as the TP, um, really really doing a lot of good for him. And so I, I want to see more results out of him, um, you know, because gone, gone are the days of several beautiful talking like this in the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, thanks, Cyril. Thanks for that good word. Right. Anyway, yeah, what did you, you guys think of Alpine? Wait, it just, I agree with you. They, they seem like they should have more points at this point of the season than they, than they do. And yeah, you know, tough, well, I don't know if you can say tough break since Alonzo obviously admitted that it was his mistake. Uh, he was a little like there. crazy. Yeah. 
out of control uh, at times, I thought. Yeah. But and and we'll discuss it, I'm sure, as we move up the grid a little bit. But with the the issues that McLaren's having, and even with the issues Mercedes had kind of had at the start of the season, and Alfa Romeo only having, you know, one driver really scoring points, you, you gotta think that they have to wish that they were in a better position right now than they are given kind of the the mess of the other teams around them mm. but they've kind of stumbled into the, this mess of their their own here also yeah yeah i, I just uh, i don't know I, I i honestly the only thing i could think about for them on this race really is just the alonzo you know taking out taking out gasly thing which led to okay so I don't know. You guys have anything else to say about Alpine? Because I want to. I want to get on McLaren because there's an interesting. Let's move on. I think yeah, okay. they were just kind of an also ran. They were other yeah. than the a lot weird Alonzo whatever he was doing thing. I don't know if there was yeah. much to say about him. Yeah. Extra and... shout out for being John's daughter's favorite team since they're pink. Yes. <laughs> yes. They well, she was really annoyed when they stopped running the pink livery after two races, and it's only kind of pink now. It's it's mostly blue. Anyway. <sighs> so fickle. So fickle. <laughs> uh, but McLaren. So okay uh lando man so we talk about how important pit stops are in formula one lando had a two second longer pit stop because of i think it was was because of a sticky wheel nut and that extra two seconds in the pits just two seconds just two seconds it ended up with him stuck back in the middle of the whole aston martin and haas thing that was going on Mm -hmm. and stuck really behind that and then having to deal because of that and being way out of position basically on the track because you're stuck behind a slower pack of cars for many laps, you get out of position and then all of a sudden you have something happen like what happened to Gasly. Gasly was having issues with his uh, from damage from the collision with Alonzo, wasn't paying attention, was talking to his team and kind of drifted a little bit to the left as Lando was coming by. And Lando just smack ran into him. I mean, they they ran into each other, really. And, you know, just completely, I mean, Lando was, could have ended up in the points. He had gotten by the other stuff, but he was still making up ground and just completely gets taken out and DNFs for a team that just can ill afford that kind of performance right now. Man, did you guys listen to, did, did you guys hear uh, Gasly's side of the radio during that? I heard him, but it was very hard to understand. I could tell that he was something was not right because he had kind of went off track a little bit, and then he was chatting with them. And then, like, I mean, it feels like it takes forever, but it's like probably like a quarter of a second. Suddenly, he's just into Norris. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you just hear oop, and then brake squeal. You know, a tire squeal. It's like, <laughs> ah. oh man, that was that was a heartbreaker because yeah. had a bad season. Extra killer since Lando was rocking the uh, the sweet basketball design on the helmet as well. So. Uh, don't break my heart, Shellen. <laughs> no. Uh, well, was, there were some good lids this week, but that was among the best. Yeah, I, both McLarens actually got screwed by pits. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. Lando, even Ricardo did as well. They were faster than the as you as we talked about the eleven through fourteen cluster of Aston Martin Haas just basically. <laughs> They're in the middle of the race down because no one could get past them and stuff. They were faster, but yeah, their pits really cost them. And as you said, a, a simple, I don't want to say error because it wasn't really an error. There's not much you mm-hmm. can do if like the conditions are bad. Uh, one slight thing going wrong and it 
put him in this horrible position. I mean, you see this in other sports all the time where it's like, oh, this like one little thing went wrong and now things are so going so poorly for us. Um, yeah, very unfortunate for them this weekend. They're having a pretty rough year, in my opinion, too. Mm-hmm. Just um, Norris is kind of doing okay. Ricardo is just, I, I, don't, I thought, you know, last year at the beginning, I was like, well, it makes sense why he's struggling. He kind of picked it up at the end, but he's just, again, this year, really bad start to the season. Maybe he's like those NBA players that show up out of shape or whatever, like for the first two months, they stink. And then it's like, oh, so they're good again. Because he is just, he's not been up to the the level I think people expect. Although you have to wonder, he's an over 30 driver. I think he's now Mm -hmm. like 31 or 32. At some point, uh, you're just... It's a physical stuff. It's just not the same anymore, right? Yeah, I, 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 I hate burying bear- him, but <laughs> well, he struggled to keep up with Lando each of the last two seasons, really. You know, mm-hmm. in the same you know, same car, same team, sort of thing. So, I agree. The drop off there has been much less than you have to think McLaren was hoping for when they when they managed to sign him to to be Lando's mm-hmm. teammate there. Yeah, I mean, he he was a race winner uh, yep. in Red Bull, multiple race winner in Red Bull. Uh, he is, uh, I mean, all the all the signs were that that you know he was going to be a rapid driver for him, and just the last year the car just didn't click for him. Yeah, I mean, he ended up winning the race in in uh, Monza, but that was <laughs> largely due to the sprint, and it was also primarily due to. Uh, uh, Hamilton and Verstappen ending the race, you know, as they did. <clears throat> so, yeah, that was um, that was kind of a fluke. I mean, that was him having a good opportunity and taking that opportunity. But, but really, if if you know Hamilton and Verstappen had controlled themselves, mostly Verstappen controlled himself a little bit more, uh, he would have gotten a podium out of that, and that would have been it. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't see, man, you know, in the Barcelona shakedown preseason McLaren looked good and and then they got to Bahrain and had all these brake problems and it's like it's just been that something about that was such a momentum killer ironically brake problems being a momentum killer huh but the uh the 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 team just doesn't seem to have really recovered uh their form and and obviously you know maybe the maybe the Barcelona results were a little bit misleading because no one really knew what the cars were going to be. Like everything was really a shakedown. So you you can never trust times in testing. You super can't trust times in the first test. So you kind of have to discard those, I guess, and uh, and look at what the actual on track results have been. And they just haven't, you know, they they haven't been setting the timesheets alight. And it's a bummer because it's a team with a lot of history. It's a team I like. Um, they're running that sweet livery that's got a little bit of that Gulf blue in it that I love. And I just, man. It's hard. It's it's hard hard to watch. They have they they have you know such a great, wonderful, memeable, amicable driver pairing. Right. That's what I was just gonna say. They got that unboxed, you know, oh. that they throw up on YouTube, which has got to be the you know as as much as I love like the Ferraris C squared things that they do. Uh, McLaren's mm-hmm. unboxed videos that they throw up of Lando and Danny Rick just doing things during the week are are yeah. hilarious. They're so fun. <laughs> they're great. I mean, they they are. They're kind of the antithesis of Drive to Survive because they they're not produced. There's no voiceover. It's just, um, you know, uh, it's just very documentary. And there's 
there's no real context given. It's just, hey, this is, you know, some footage from this week. And it's fun. It's fun to see the interactions and you want to you, you wanna root for them and want to see them do better. Um, although, I don't know, after that thing with James Corden, I don't know if I want to root for him. But anyway, mm. uh, <laughs> that, was, that was something else. Ah, uh, Miami, bringing out all the craziness. You know, everybody, everyone was a little bit of a Florida man in Miami this this week. It <laughs> seemed. Uh, we'll talk about that podium here when we get to the top, uh, the top teams. But my goodness, um, <clears throat> I don't know. Any other notes of McLaren? I mean, it's a team we want to see do better than they are. But eh. yeah, something just seems wrong this year. I'm not quite mm. sure. It's difficult to put your uh, finger on, but something's just not quite right. I I don't know if you guys agree. Something's just I can't explain it. But they seem a little snake bitten at times, and mm. a little bit. Uh, and Lando, in particular, has been very, very vocal <laughs> in this season so far about yeah. his displeasure with the vehicle, with the car. You know, especially after the first couple races of the season. So interesting seeing that, given that he's locked into that super long, long at least for F one standards contract yeah. with them. Well, I would, uh, I would want him to be vocal goes. about it. I mean, because what are they going like? Zach Brown's not going to fire him. No, you know, and so he's got he's got that job security. So he and he's been I mean, he's been in the team and he's put in some good results with the team. And uh, granted, he hasn't gotten the win yet, but uh, certainly he's put that thing on the podium more than than Danny Rick has in the, in their two years together. And it is I, I like I like seeing that at Orlando. I like seeing him be more assertive and be more the number one driver, uh, despite the fact that his teammate is, you know, a multiple time race winner, et cetera, et cetera. So. Because, you know, Lando, I mean, Lando still has it in his sights to potentially be a future world champion. I certainly think he has the talent for it, and he wants McLaren to put a car under him to, to do it. Get there. Yep. Yeah, so. I think definitely a team to keep an eye on for the rest of the year. Oh, man. Uh, kind of see what happens to them. Yeah, I mean, they're... I'm curious if we see some of the development cycles be different for this new car than, I mean, Barcelona, this, this next round, this is going to be a huge, huge tell. Um, you know, Mercedes looked like they were back at it in, in free practice too, uh, this last week, but no, the race was, you know, the heat really got them. Um, but, uh, the, like McLaren is one that if they, you know, all these teams that are struggling, the, the, that first big round of updates they bring as we start the European leg of the calendar, man, we sh- we really could see some shakeups. Uh, I don't know that you're going to see anyone really dethroning Red Bull or Ferrari, but I think we're going to see the, the mid-grid really sort itself out in the next three or four races. Speaking of mid-grid sorting itself out, Alfa Romeo. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. So by far the most, I think the most binary result of all of them, you had Guan Yu Zhou, a rookie, first Chinese Formula One driver, and uh, starting, well, not starting. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. That was, that, was a, that was a bummer. Cracked chassis, and that was it. So um, I'm more interested though, to talk about uh, Valtteri. So Valtteri Bottas was previously the Mercedes driver last five years, moved to Alpha on a long-term deal. A lot of people thought he was moving way back down on the grid because Alpha was, you know, really garbage. Um, and uh, no, he he was um, 
he's been awesome. I mean, the guy has got incredible one lap pace because like, certainly there was times he was out qualifying Lewis, one of the best qualifiers of all time mm-hmm. in the same machinery. And he never, like, he doesn't, I don't think he has the skills to do like a whole season kind of thing. I mean, obviously, you know, the same machinery as Lewis never really took it to him over the course of a season, but put him in a mid-grid car, give him some confidence. Uh, this guy is, he's just great. Except he made one little mistake on a very unforgiving track and ended up, ended up getting passed by both Mercedes to finish seventh. <laughs> that was a bummer. Yeah, he was doing a great job up to that point of holding him off, which I thought was pretty interesting. To me, Shellen, does he kind of have the feeling of like this kind of like a Jokic type of thing going on where it's like he's actually really good. He's saddled a little bit with something that's not so good. And he's actually his you have to kind of look at his performance relative to what he's dealing with. I think he's actually been really, really good this year. Because he's not in the the hottest car, but I think his driving has actually maybe I don't know if you can say underrated, but I think he actually might be like in terms of who's doing the best, not just based on wins, but on performance. I think he's got to be really high towards the top of the list. Oh, I think mm-hmm. so. And it's been consistent all season long. Like, yeah, the bummer losing those couple spots here in Miami, but he's been, you know, a, a factor in the midfield basically every single race, mm-hmm. at, you know, creeping up to the point where it's, you know, if something goes slightly awry, all of a sudden there's Botas there, right, right, right in the thick of things to score more points than you'd think an Alfa Romeo car would <laughs> be doing. Yeah. So he he's been he's been great. It's he's another one of those you know I think easy to root for guys if you're coming from the Netflix side of things, mm-hmm. just very quiet and seemed to you know handle what I have to imagine was a very tough thing to do being the the second to Hamilton. Oh man. Uh for all those years cuz you know I mean obviously he's not as good as Lewis Hamilton, but all of these guys have to I don't think you can be a Formula 1 driver without thinking that you could be the best or mm-hmm. are one of the best. You know I mean? you you have to have that mindset. So coming in and constantly kind of having to play second fiddle all those years, it's got to be refreshing to just get out there and drive for himself in a car mm-hmm. this year. He's not going to get totally effed by his team strategy for once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, man, it's it's very unlikely that they are going to you know team order him to to do something for Guan Yu Zhou. So yeah, he is he is the man there in Alpha, and I'm I'm glad to see it. I mean, it's it's really good is just to to see how excited the team is to have really to have a top line driver. I mean, not because look, Kimmy. Kimmy was well past his prime when he went to Alpha, uh, and you know you had uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, which was again on this um, the F1 podcast I mentioned earlier. The Three uh, Legs uh, Four Wheels they have the Antonio Giovinazzi Participation Award that they hand out for every race. For ah, you were there and 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 you drove. Here's your Antonio <laughs> Giovinazzi Participation Award. Like it just. Always, you know, with the anonymous drives. And <clears throat> I mean, I, I feel a little bad because if you make it to Formula One, you're still a pretty rapid driver. Even the pay drivers are are still faster than I will ever be in in any kind of, you know, in any situation. Like if we went if we went to the karting track, they would destroy me. So, you know, I, I realize this. But yeah, it was just, it, it's good to see, it's good to see Alpha 
having a driver they can really be excited about and really get some results out of. And yeah, he just seems like a really genuinely good dude, you know. And I was I, I was unapologetically uh, a Valtteri fan when he was at Mercedes. <clears throat> you know, not because I had any kind of animus towards Lewis or anything like that. It was just the guy was doing an impossible thing, and he was his one lap pace was good, and he just every now and then he'd win a race. I mean, he's a, he is a double digit, I think he's a ten time race winner. Yeah, so that's that puts him reasonably high on the list of Formula One drivers, you know, all time race wins. Like that's no joke. You know, he he could he he's shown he could do it, and he's a he's a good he was a good number two driver for a top level team, and he is a, an incredible driver for a mid grid team looking to score some points and get some money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yep. kind of goofed it on that one corner and uh, this track, very unforgiving. You get off line. I mean, he, you know, he talks about, he, he break just like half a second late and it put him just off the line into the marbles and he lost his traction and uh, Hamilton and Russell behind him just zipped right by. It's got quality taste in his uh, leisure activities. Uh, yeah. Creek based <laughs> as well as we found out this week. <laughs> yeah. Yes. His, if you haven't watched Drive to Survive season three and seen uh, Valtteri's butt ass, but uh, then then you can check out his Instagram this week because, yeah, the little 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 uh, skinny dipping, and so there's <laughs> Valtteri's <laughs> butt ass on uh, on Instagram, which was heavily memed and was the cause of some, uh, uh, yeah, ah, uh, the internet. We'll just say that. We'll just say the internet. Although him tagging. On Twitter, tagging Mercedes in a <laughs> in a link to someone selling a poster of it, I thought was really funny. <laughs> anyway, good times, good times at Alfa Romeo. That's that's a that's that's another fun team to watch. Um, another team to to be excited about there in the mid grid. All right, so shall we? I mean, I I feel like we're still in the mid grid with talking about Mercedes, but or or Mercedes, as Paul DeResta says, there's an extra shh in there. Uh, Mercedes, they are, they're confusing this year. They, they have, you know, I expected, I mean, obviously everybody expected more out of them, but certainly when they show up to the second test with these like really scooped monopod side pods that the car just looks, I mean, the car looks like melted chocolate. It's not a great look for a car, but, but it, it it looked like, well, this could be really something. This could, you know, this is Mercedes. They're going to set, you know, set the world alight with this. And they are not. At all. And yet Russell, yeah. so far, top fives. What the heck? Yeah, it's funny going back and looking at, you know, all those pre-season things. Because, yeah, that that car was the talk of the, the, the week leading up to those first practices and everything. And you just had Hamilton... And Toto and anybody that could get a microphone be like, yeah, no, we're not, we're not there yet. We've got problems. And I think almost every F1 fan out there and the other teams just thought Mercedes was sandbagging it, you know, mm-hmm. they're, oh, they're lying to us. They're, it's Mercedes. They're going to have, they're going to have something. Uh, so yeah, it's been wild seeing, you know, they're not terrible, obviously, but it's, it's weird seeing them very clearly a step behind those top two teams at the moment. Yeah, they're kind of in a tier of their own. You've got Ferrari, Red Bull, top dogs. You got kind of Mercedes, I think solidly third, and kind of like everybody else. I think because mm-hmm. um, I, I don't, unless McLaren really gets it together, I'm not sure anybody else can challenge them for third. Uh, I think even now we're kind of you know looking at the points accumulated already. It's like they've already kind of built a pretty nice lead. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I, I think I think a way to really know how far they've fallen a little bit is I mentioned earlier a little bit about Russell and his tire strategy and his he stayed out for a really long time and he was like because he started on the hards and he kind of sucked at the beginning and then they kind of got going and he started making a big move and they were basically like hey let's just stay out for a safety car and see if I can get lucky and it's like this is not what Mercedes had to do with the past they were not like let's try to get lucky with a safety car so we can mm-hmm. finish well I mean. Credit to them for, for for doing it. I think um, you do need luck in any sport to have success. You can't just be totally skill-based in, in mm-hmm. win. Um, and I thought that was a really good strategy, and it paid off for them. He It's happened the second time this year, so I'm sure he's like... Uh, oh, he, he's rich enough already, so he doesn't need to go buy a lotto <laughs> ticket, but maybe he should, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, things have broken for him twice already, and... Uh, five races so 40 percent of the races things have worked out in his favor already in terms of safety cars so mm-hmm. uh you know credit where credit's due great job by him i got a prediction about him later that we'll get to um i, I had a question though about uh this hamilton there was a thing with the pits that he i i think we did some one of us mentioned soft tires at some point or whatever and the lando mm-hmm. crash he came in, and he came in like twice i i did not understand what they were Mercedes was doing other strategy. I don't. They did not seem to know what they were doing because Hamilton. They asked Hamilton, "What do you want to do?" He's like, "Don't ask me, guys. You guys are supposed to be the ones who tell telling me." They seemed a yeah. little flustered and confused about what they wanted to do. He pit, pitted twice, I think, in that summer, that stretch yeah, or something so, like that. Right. So, so pitting under the safety car is generally good if you do it early in the period because uh, under the safety car, you've got everyone has to slow down. Everyone is. Everyone's slowing down, and the and the safety car is kind of gathering up the field back into a, a, a big pack. So if you do it early, you can really turn that 25-second loss into, like, 15 seconds or less, really, uh, uh, of, of lost time. And you, so you want to, you know, you, you, you want things to work out so that if a safety car happens, you haven't passed your pitch yet. You don't have to go, you know, all the way back around because... Really, by the time you go back around, maybe the pack is back together, and so you you would end up still losing a lot of places on track because um, you have to rejoin. You know, you have to rejoin the pack where uh, wherever you can. And it's, I, I think, what happened is they. It was odd for them to ask that. Um, you know, what do you want to do? Well. Hamilton doesn't have a picture of the circuit in his mind as far as like where everyone is and 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 he doesn't have a timing screen for everybody in his in his car, you know. So it really the question might have been should have been which which tire do you want to go to? Not so much, you know, do you want to stop now? Uh because obviously the the stop needed to happen and it just it just added to the chaos um that 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 his side of the garage is having. But I mean, shout out to Mercedes just in general because yeah, they're having an off year. But as you said, they're third of the points, and in the hands of two lesser drivers, they're they're just in the dumps. But you've got you know, arguably the best driver of all time in Lewis Hamilton. You have someone who I think is a generational talent in George Russell, uh, who <clears throat> who knows how to get the most out of a car that's not a, you know maybe not performing optimally, and it's. I mean, it make it, it actually kind of makes it fun to watch Mercedes again. Watch them having to, you know, having to uh, strategize and having to not just go out there and and you know, bugger off fifteen seconds out in front of everybody after five laps or some stupid thing. But 
really seeing them having to uh, use some racecraft. And and I don't know. I find it, I find it exciting. I find myself. I mean, I I I've never really rooted against Hamilton, and certainly I have a lot of respect for him the way he handled himself after the end of last year. And if anything, my respect for him has grown after how he handled himself last year. Um, but it is it is good to see them have some real challenges. It makes it a lot more entertaining to watch. And you know, to all the Hamilton haters out there, just quit it. <laughs> just quit it. Yeah, it's nice to see him have to get their hands dirty for once. I kind of, they haven't been, I guess last year a little, but they were pushed, but they haven't been in a position where you're like, oh, they really got to get down, get their nose in the dirt and get, mm. figure some stuff out. So it's, it's interesting and it's, it's a good test and a challenge on, you know, the mechanical side, but also the driver side. I think um, you mentioned Russell and, uh, you know, he drove that Williams that was not good. And I think that's why he's, performing well in his Mercedes, that's not that good because he's it's mm. for Hamilton, after having so many years was so smooth and so easy to kind of be thrust into like it's not perfect. It's probably very jarring, you know, mm. to go from greatness to being like, yeah, this is not anything near what we've had. But for Russell, it's just another day at the office, right? Like he's wired, geared a certain way to think like, okay, I have to always cons- consider these things because this is the way it is. I think for him is a little bit more natural this year probably than for Hamilton, you know. Yeah, that is kind of a funny thought that I hadn't considered there. Like you you go back a couple of years and you've got all those kind of now famous Hamilton on the radio being like, oh my tires are shot, they're toast, you know. And he still, you know, sets the fastest lap and wins the race easily, sort of thing. <laughs> to to now having a car that he's really having to fight every weekend to to even finish, you know, off just off the podium. Got to be a, a big difference in mentally how you handle a weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, like arguably he is, he's getting done by his teammate, but no, not really. Like it, it, it's a, it's a long season yet. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's not, I mean, Russell is not just putting him away. And I think Russell, you know, would be the first to admit in, in the media that, you know, he's, he's not just putting Hamilton away. Like this is not, this is not the way Hamilton saw this playing out for sure. Um, but I don't, I don't know that I see him. I mean, even before, even before this, I, I didn't know that I didn't think I was going to see him. Uh, he's currently on a two year, two year deal or three year deal. I think it's a two year deal. I, I wasn't really expecting him to do, you know, a new contract after that anyway. Like this isn't his last season, but it, but it would not surprise me if next year is his last year. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he, I mean, obviously, you know, he he wants to go for the eighth, but this is not the way he saw that playing out. And certainly, I don't, I don't see them. I mean, there's no way. I don't know. I will say there's no way. But barring Ferrari doing the most Ferrari things imaginable, and even unimaginable, which I guess could happen, uh, I don't see you know Hamilton charging back from having what like a third of the points of Leclerc right now <laughs> to get past everyone else in front of him. To uh to to really make a championship run this year, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I don't know what else I was gonna say. I vapor locked. It's all good. <laughs> any other any other thoughts on on Mercedes? I, I do agree with your thing that like I'm not sure Russell is necessarily um following by Hamilton. It we mentioned he got lucky twice. 
You know, if, if there's yep. no safety car this race, he's got a pit and he's going to lose a lot of spots. He's not finishing uh, in the top five this this race in the in Miami if he doesn't get that safety car. So, uh, as we said, luck is a, is a is a part of sports, and he benefited. And they they were bold enough to do that strategy too, right? They could have been like, oh, you know what? It's it's risky to do that. Let's let's do the safe thing. But they were like, no, let's do it. Let's try it, and um, it worked for him this time. And I, I'm sure we'll see later in the year where it doesn't work. That's just kind of how regression to the mean, mm. right? It's how it works. So, you know, I think. Uh, I've been impressed by Russell, uh, but, you know, luck is not typically sustainable. Uh, you know, as football fans, we know there's this thing called, like, fumble luck. How many fumbles, fumbles do you recover in a year? And it's like, well, if you recover, like, every single fumble one year, that doesn't happen <laughs> next year. That's not how it works. So, you know, uh, Russell could be seeing some progression to the mean. Maybe he won't, though. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Let's, let's move on to, uh, well... Get the Shellens boys. Shellens boys, yeah, yeah. All right, Tifosi, new, new, newly minted Tifosi. Why don't, why don't you take the takes on Ferrari? A lifelong fan. Yeah, <laughs> lifelong fan of those those handsome devils. Um, you know, I think we're seeing you just. First off, it's nice to see signs finish a race well. Uh, we had a couple yeah. a couple <laughs> rough weekends for him in a row uh, that that really closed the constructors championship points uh much more rapidly than i think any of us lifelong tofosi would have wanted uh we're seeing i think red bull's car at this point especially on the straights is just so much faster than ferrari's is here Mm -hmm. and then tire degradation being a bit of an issue uh for ferrari here as well as we're kind of seeing at the end you know with the the safety car near the end you know, Leclerc got a little bit closer than he he would have otherwise, and just still just didn't have enough in the tires to to catch up and overtake Max there at the end. So we'll see. We we mentioned with McLaren these big Barcelona upgrades coming up. Ferrari's been pointing that out since you know the second weekend of the year that this is you know where hopefully their upgrades are coming in to stop a little bit of that porpoising uh, on the straights and and maybe. Hopefully, if all goes well, you know, pick up a little bit more of that straight speed that they don't have compared to the Red Bull car at the moment. Mm. But it, you know, not I, not what we would have hoped for. But finishing two three is much better than they had gotten the last two weekends uh, out out on the grid. Mm. Yeah, the the race up front. One of my notes was just it was not exciting. And yeah. it wasn't until the uh, until that Lando crash, and then you know Leclerc had a couple of chances that looked like there were a couple of laps where he might be able to get it done, but Max mm-hmm. did a good job holding him off. And it was just after he those couple of laps, it was very clear it was like it was over. So I thought they they were fine this weekend; they were good. Mm-hmm. Um, Signs did a good job both, holding off Perez there at the end. Yeah, they got Perez. both yeah. cars across the finish line. Uh, job done, I suppose, considering they haven't been able to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how things are going to go for the season for them. I think we're starting to see a little bit of they were so dominant in the first few weeks, so it's getting chipped away a little bit. And mm. um, you know, of course, they had the disaster at home as well, which was <laughs> a classic, I think, for them. It's like par for the course. Yeah. 
So Ferrari Ferrariing them themselves is is a thing that I am fully expecting to happen a couple of more times this year. Um yeah, I I I would say man. It's it's good to see Ferrari back in form and it's good to see Leclerc making a real I mean making a legit championship run. Um but it is it is really hard to see Carlos in the season he's having being basically at this point a number 2 driver. And that just hurts. Like we're five races in, it shouldn't it, it, that that shouldn't be a thing. Maybe it maybe it isn't a thing, but I think it's a thing. I I think that uh at this point with with uh, Red Bull making the charge that they are, Ferrari has to prioritize Charles and and cuz mm-hmm. he is you know or Chuck as uh, Willie <laughs> Willie T Ribs called it <laughs> Chuck Charles Charles Chuck <laughs> that was oh those interviews were bad but but he was entertaining I'll say that um but yeah uh Leclerc you know it, it has to be the priority for Ferrari and and that means you know as the as we get to the development cycle really going or really being tried out on track that's limited numbers of parts. Well, the number one driver gets those first. You know, maybe maybe they could put on the number two driver's car for free practices, uh, but but during the race, during qualifying the race, those are going to end up on the number one driver's car. Right. Um, doesn't mean they're all always good, but you know, when you have limited parts, you have to prioritize somebody. And right now, I mean, Signs has had some awful races, and he is not. I mean, he, he's like Leclerc has probably double the points of him. I mean, let me scroll down. Yes, effectively double the points of him. So there's just not, again, only five races in, but unless Signs just sticks one and wins wins it and Leclerc is nowhere to be found. Because, oh, look, Leclerc is fully capable of bottling this. I mean, we saw what happened in Monaco last year. Mm-hmm. Like, unless Leclerc can really get over that, he is going to find himself choking and Verstappen's going to be a two-time world championship or world champion rather. But, uh, you know, for, for all the, for all the Ferrari fans, both new and old, uh, this, I mean, this has been an exciting start, but I don't, I don't think I see this finishing this way. Um, I, I, I think I'm, I think Ferrari yeah, they, they've they've had other years. I mean, even with uh, with Seb back in eighteen was his last time this really happened. But Seb, you know, had had a real challenge going uh, until I think it was Germany, and it just all fell apart for him after Germany. It just he wasn't, you know, the team kept making mistakes. He kept making mistakes. Um, Ferrari is kind of they they are in many ways that's how they're fragile versus Red Bull is fragile in a reliability perspective where they built this very fast car that is, I've heard it described as a glass cannon. Uh, I think very accurately. Yeah. Sean, uh, I'm going to ask you a question at the end of what I want to say for some more field uh, strategy uh, uh, analysis here. But I think that, yeah, I agree with John science is just the number two at this point for this season. And that's unfortunate that so early it's kind of locked in this way. Cause I, I don't think, Signs and Leclerc are actually that far apart in terms of skill and quality. I think they're pretty even. It's just that Signs has made a couple of mistakes, had some bad results, and Leclerc is clearly the one of the two that's going to challenge. But I don't think that that's necessarily 
indicative of even next year, where clearly Leclerc is better than Sainz. I think that's so close, in my opinion, and that we could see next year where they're right neck and neck with each other, where it's like, okay, maybe, or Leclerc has some problems with Sainz. I, I just don't, I don't think that this is clear-cut one-two, like as you mentioned in the past with um, Hamilton and Bottas, where it's clear-cut Hamilton's one, Bottas is two, or, you know, Bottas is the team this year. I can't very clear who's one and who's two. I think mm-hmm. that um, I think it's unfortunate for him this year that it happened that way. I don't think it's indicative of actually uh, a difference in terms of the driver's skill. And I will be curious to see how it shakes out in the year because they are, as you know, the show is obviously dramatized. Uh, you know, they know they're on camera. They seem really close. They seem like they get along. Mm-hmm. Maybe down the stretch, if science is feeling like you're really you know, crippling me with strategy with parts. I'm just as good. Why am I getting so shafted here? Could be a problem, but I don't know. They seem like they're, I think if you're science, you have to understand too. It's like, look, I had a couple bad results and my, my ability to win the championship is, I don't want to say essentially over, but it pretty much is uh, at this point. Uh, But Shellen, give me a little bit more of your Ferrari fan take. I kind of tried to be level-headed there. No, I'm I'm with you guys on that one. And, you know, they've made a big to-do about it all season and all preseason that they don't have a number one driver. You know, I think they've, I think, been trying mm-hmm. to shout it from the mountaintops to anybody that would listen that there isn't a number one driver. But I, I agree that fate might have just forced their hand a little bit into it. And, you know, if you have a driver that's competing for that world driver championship, especially as we get, you know, towards the end of summer and these sorts of things, if he's still up there with Verstappen, like, yeah, you have to go for it. And I think it it will be interesting to see how that uh, relationship between the drivers and the team goes, if they do have to, um, you know, have signs get out of his way at some point in a race or are Mm -hmm. are not able to give him some key upgrades that they're able to give to Charles. I'll be I'll be interested to be watching the the C squared episodes on YouTube that they throw out and and with the fine tooth comb for body language and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think if they were like competing like a third and fifth, and they had this kind of gap between them, I don't think it would be much of an issue. But I, I, as you said, because he's got a chance to go first, you have to try to win. I mean, that's the whole the point is to win, right? Um, and they haven't really been in position to win individually in a while and they've got they've got to do it they you know um as much as it may hurt science's feelings and it may it could potentially be bad locker room chemistry stuff it is it this is not a team sport it is actually an individual sport if mm. we see people move around so much that's how i know it's an individual sport not a team sport because they don't stick with the same team for 10 years like every three years you're on a new team it seems like so um they have to do everything they can to maximize the chance of winning. As cynical as that may seem, uh, it's also the truth, I think. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right. Red Bull. Red Bull, man. Um, so, Max, uh, this stat is not original to me, obviously. Anyone who can read the race results has seen this. Max has won every race that he's finished this year. Mm-hmm. But the reliability in this car cost them a double podium 
almost certainly. Uh, Max won the race. Great, awesome. I mean, great move off the start, and just a, a I mean, stellar drive from him. Good, uh, good defending, uh, keeping keeping Charles behind him after the restart. But uh, Perez, who I mean, how how can you, how can you not love Checo? I love Checo. He's great. It's great to see him in a top level team. It's been great to see him uh, see him do well. But man, this this engine just seems like it is always on the verge of doing something to screw one or both drivers. And right. this this week it was a sensor that was off that cost them what like twenty kilowatts of power or something like that was was what Yeah, twenty kilowatts, yep. Yeah. And it was just basically it was just enough that he wasn't able to take advantage of the better Red Bull straight line speed to to get past signs. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it could have been it could have been Red Bull one three, and when the two teams are this tight and the constructors, that's a huge, huge difference, a huge momentum's difference too, just for the confidence of the of their number two driver. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Red Red Bull is my son's favorite team. He 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 calls them the blue car, which I, you know they're dark blue, but Red Bull is my son's favorite team to to the point, in fact, that I have this little um. So at my sign shop, we've got this big garage area. It's basically half the shop is just a big garage area and work area. And so I've got this little pedal cart out there that was mine when I was my son's age. And I I put a big old Red Bull sticker on it. Because what's the point of having, you know, all this wrap material around if you can't just, like, put logos on stuff for your kids, you know? (laughs) So so he just just drives it around and around and around and and loves it. Um, Yeah. What'd you get? What'd you guys think about Red Bull this weekend? Sheldon, I don't know if you had the same thing at your campus, but John, you got to take your son to the local university because they probably got one of those Red Bull handout things. I'm sure he would just lose his mind. You got to get him hooked early into the brand. You got to be like, I got my Red Bull car. I'm drinking my Red Bull. I'm like six years old. I don't care. It's not good for my heart. But... Oh my God. That boy does yeah. not need caffeine. Boy, boy energy is real, y'all. It oh is... boy. It is real, real. My goodness. Anyway, yeah. okay. Serious exactly what you want. Go. Yes, let's go. Let's let's go serious, Shell. Shell, give me your serious stuff on this. Yeah. Also, not giving my five-year-old boy Red Bull. That sounds like a good way for the world to end. Uh, but uh, I was having a serious. Oh, the the glass cannon of Red Bull. I, I think is a pretty apt and makes it kind of interesting to watch here because reliability issues aren't obviously just by nature not something that you can predict as a fan or uh, a watcher of the sport nor are they any level of consistency so it is wild watching these races and just not knowing like yes you know verstappen and perez are killing it Mm -hmm. but oh no we're (laughs) on lap 40 and all of a sudden one of the cars is off you know what i mean like it, it it adds a very weird uh dynamic to watching this as a as a new fan of sports and as a new fan of motorsport in general that is unlike any other sports experience that i have like Mm. it's like if i'm watching the nba and in the third quarter for some reason half of the the warriors team just might get leg cramps and can't play anymore like that's just not something that happens in other sports Mm. so it's such a fascinating thing for me as a a new fan that this incredibly highly tuned hundreds of millions of dollars poured into it machine might turn off because 
one sensor light didn't mm-hmm. work correctly somewhere in the engine uh, it is is just wild to me. Yeah, yeah real trick or treat team this year. You kind of yeah. just, um, as Sean said, it's difficult to assess them a lot of times because they can be the best car, and then it just like they totally blow it. It just the car just fails them, and it's it's very difficult to know because we're gonna make some predictions later. And I, this is, I think they're so difficult to evaluate because when they're out there and they stay out there, they're very, very good. They might be the best, but they don't stay out there all the time. They're, they're that injured superstar player, you know, that's like, man, if only this guy stayed healthy, they would be the best team. But Red Bull can't seem to stay healthy. I, I, um, yeah, I just, I wonder if they'll get it fixed or not because it's, it doesn't seem like uh, sometimes it's one thing, sometimes another. Like, it seems like it's a consistent issue, but then every once in a while, it's some weird thing, right? Because it's like, what does a sensor have to do with their other problems this this week compared to their previous ones? I just, I don't know what's really going on with them because I think they're the best team, but I, I, you can't trust them. Yeah, they, I think Great. they're the best driver too, and it's just, but it's just like, I don't think I don't know if he's going to finish fifty percent of the races this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they Red Bull has the best driver lineup they arguably that they've ever had, and not that they haven't had some incredibly talented other drivers, but uh, as far as just the the skill level and the experience level, you've got you know a generational talent, Max Verstappen. You've got a, an incredibly you know incredibly skilled journeyman um, driver in Perez, who is a master of taking care of his uh, of his car and taking care of his tires, mm-hmm. and. I, it is. It, you're right. I mean, just the the reliability is something that is very unpredictable in this sport. And if anything, in recent years, it's it's become. I mean, I remember, gosh, back in okay, so back in the '90s, uh, teams used to roll up with three cars to a weekend because inevitably they're going to have reliability problems, and so you know you'd have a third car probably set up for the number one driver. Uh, but you'd have a third car there waiting uh, for problems to happen so that, you know, the other driver could just hop in the car, like if something happened to their car. And you just don't have that anymore. I mean, obviously the regs don't allow that. But uh, now because the reliability is so good and they have all these restrictions on the number of, you know, engine components you can have and and the number of, you know, um, gearboxes and other things. It's really is it, it really is wild to see this new season, these new regs, and all these massive changes to uh, how the cars are constructed, causing certain teams way more problems than others, and it it, it does make it so unpredictable every week. I mean, because yeah, again, we'll get to pred- uh, predictions here in just a moment, but this should be, I mean, this should be a runaway for Red Bull, and it's just not going to be. But yeah, this is this is something that. Uh, you know, Red Bull has gotten almost everything right, except in the in the exit of Honda and having to really take over this. I mean, in whatever weird way that they are, there's just a few little things that have gotten wrong, and and it really is costing them in really dramatic ways. And and so it just puts you. I mean, it makes it so much like it, I'm as we get into the summer, especially as things really heat up, both you know, like literally with the weather as things heat up, uh, I am really interested to see what happens to to Red Bull 
and can they get this sorted or it or are they just going to absolutely knock themselves out of contention with their own reliability problems yeah i think they should be clearing away the best team this year but that's on paper and in reality if they're not going to be able to get guys across the finish line it's going to be hard and it's very close you know right now the gap is six points in constructors Mm. um and yeah one guy not finishing a race and another guy even finishing like sixth that can be the difference right yep uh so it's going to be tricky for them i think they have really good drivers i but i, I yeah as we said a million times it's just it's so difficult to assess anything that they've done this year so far cuz mm-hmm. it's like they look so amazing when they're on and but they're not on enough and it's just like yeah, really, really, really weird season for them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 wrap this up maybe with some uh, some predictions since we're talking about Ferrari, talking about Red Bull, talking about some of the reliability problems. Predictions for let's say uh, individual uh, individual champion, so the World Drivers Champion. Predictions for the constructors champion. And then I want a I want a prediction for a a bold a bold but true result. Okay, it could be a race result, could be something else. Brad, let's start with you. Okay, so for individual, I'm just gonna go with Verstappen. I think he's the best driver. I we discussed all the problems. I think Verstappen is also. This is so hard to talk about because at this point I'm gonna make because it's so dependent upon car. But um, one of the things that I like about Verstappen is he's kind of been in these battle-tested times. So I, I trust him more if it's getting if it's going to be tight and he's got to try to win and pull off results at the end of the year to win a title. I trust him more than Leclerc, who's not been there. Um, we also know Verstappen, <laughs> he will go for it. He is maybe overly aggressive at times, you could argue. Uh, so we know he's going to try to win. So I, I just trust him. Even in this kind of, as we said, glass cannon of a car, I like his. Exp- I'm saying I like his experience. He's so young, but yeah. I like his experience over Leclerc in a title hunt because he's done it a mm-hmm. few times, and so mm-hmm. I just favor that. I, I also think his teammate is a little bit better too. Um, I think Perez is better than Signs, which might help him um, in terms of like, hey, we need to try to get like a one two. So I need my number two to hold off the guy in third, or or, or try to you know do something. I think. I would trust Perez a bit more than Signs. Okay. How about the how about the constructors? Uh I will say with that said, I'll, I don't know. I guess I'll take Ferrari. I think Red Bull's just gonna have uh, too many too many issues. I know it's risky to say Ferrari. But I'll go for the split here. Uh I'm not sure Red Bull's gonna be able to fix all of their problems to not have a couple of issues down the line that could cost them. Um, and then you want a bold prediction, or do we want to save ours until after you do your picks here? Oh, okay, yeah, we can we can save this. We can save this. All right, uh, Shellen, what what do you what do you what do you got for uh, drivers championship? You know, I said at the beginning of the show that I have coming into this season with just pure unbridled optimism uh, for for those red cars. So that's where I'm going for both these predictions here. I'm saying okay. Leclerc 
as the uh, world driver champion and Ferrari for the constructors. You know, nice. we uh, we've got the the ghost of Ferrari past hanging over all these that you mentioned. You know, there's still plenty of time for Ferrari to Ferrari it. I think you said. Yes. Uh, it's funny. And I'm sure there are plenty of other sports teams out there in the world that have these sorts of things, too. But uh, where I did my undergrad at Washington State University, uh, there is a very, very famous expression uh, to cougat, which is just the the very classic, you know, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And, you know, I'm a Mariners fan where we've got a 20 year postseason drought. (laughs) I'm a Sonics fan who... Their team is now in Oklahoma City. <laughs> I, I have enough mm. of these just terrible, I am a, you know, a glass, the glass is one eighth full sort of sports fandoms that keep me up at night that I think I, I decided early on that my my Ferrari and F1 fandom needed to just be just pure, dumb, blind optimism. So, so that's what we're going for. It's going to be a runaway victory. Uh, for for Ferrari and the constructors, and then a close, a very close uh, Leclerc over Verstappen in the drivers. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, I'm I'm going to go Verstappen for the drivers, and I am going to say that man. I'm going to say Red Bull figures it out. This is my contrarian nature kicking in here. I couldn't I couldn't also pick Ferrari if you two pick Ferrari. So yeah, we're going to say Red Bull figures this thing out. Uh, they are too smart of a team that has won constructors championships before to uh, to not get this sorted. They also have some some really heavy hitters in the engine department that they've poached from other teams now. So I'm saying I'm saying Verstappen. I'm typing it in the show notes so it counts. They've also got a Horner who we know is like the guy who, as uh, Sheldon and I would refer to as the works the refs. Like Horner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On the show, man, he is comes across as a bit uh, much <laughs> oh, I at times. That. I mean, he's 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 another one of my favorites too. And it's so wild, Shell, like because obviously we were introduced to him in the show, and so he's basically like a character in a TV show. And then he's like just there uh, talking to him in the pit lane over the radio like a normal person. And I'm like, well, this is weird. This is this yeah. is not not make sense to me. He's not amped up because he's he knows when he's on camera. He's uh, on the show, and so he plays it up. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! He plays a very good heel on the on the Drive yeah. to Survive show. He, yeah, he, those Netflix cameras are there for sure. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's funny to see him in his natural real environment when it's he's not playing it up, and it's just like, oh yeah, he's just a guy doing his job. <laughs> yep. So, um, and he goes home to Ginger Spice, right? And their <laughs> collection of adorable children. Yep. It's like. You see them at home and, and drive to survive. You're like, oh, that's actually really cute. Like, I, I kind of don't hate Christian Horner now. Yeah, he does anyway. seem like a, a nice family guy when he's at home. He, he doesn't have some, have some times where it's like, turn it off. But, uh, you know, he, he seems like a nice guy at home. And then you, they put the cameras on him for the, the show. And it's like, dude, <laughs> you're crazy. Yep. But I love him. Uh, speaking of crazy, though, let's get to yeah. my bold prediction. I have two here, actually. Do it. Um, I'm going to say that Russell's going to finish third. Um, as I kind of mentioned, I like the fact that he has braced in a, a subpar car of the past that he's experienced in it. So he kind of knows his way around, um, less 
quality things. I think that's a really useful skill that we're, I think we're seeing it in real time happen. Um, mm. I think so. I think he'll, and I, Red Bull, I almost picked him for the constructors, but I, I was a little scared off by the, all the problems. And I think Sergio is the one who would have the problems because they're going to give him the secondary stuff more mm. often. So I think Russell, I, all top five so far, like he's consistent. He's not winning. He's not even poting it every single time. But I mentioned with that Matt Kenseth thing, look, if you finish top five all the time, you're going to have a good result. So mm-hmm. he's not going to finish top five every race, but off to a good start. I like that. And I think that Williams will not finish last. Wow. I think that they Williams will finish ninth, <laughs> which is uh, second last. But hey, it's not last. I like what they're doing with their bizarre strategies. And uh, I like. Um, I like Albon. I think he's brisky and interesting. I think he's actually good. And um, let's just say I don't have a lot of faith in Aston Martin. I think Vettel at some point is probably just going to be ready to pack it up. Uh, One, two, three, Cancun, as they say. And Stroll, as we we just don't think he's up up the par. I think he's okay, but not good enough. All right. Shellen, bold prediction. It must not be that bold because the one that I was queuing up was Russell. Uh, I don't know if I was quite bold enough to have him finish above or finish third, but I was going to say, you know, fourth or at least the very least ahead of Hamilton. But I guess I'll, I'll go bold and say that Lando Norris uh, manages to work himself up to fourth in the World Driver Championship. Just to uh, just to be different from from Bardley there, I think. Yeah, sorry, I, I sniped yours. That was I think he'll be the I think he'll be the top non Ferrari Red Bull driver when it's all said and done. Nice. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go. Okay, I've got. I think I've I've got two as well. They're both they're both race result related. Okay, so my first one is Russell's gonna win a race before the summer break. So Mercedes is going to get into the European schedule and really figure it out. And then uh, I'm on for Magnuson podium. Okay. Ooh, I like that because I think he's been pretty interesting so far this year. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like that's going to happen. It, may, it might take a wet race to do it, but I feel like Magnuson podium, which I actually don't know how good he is in the wet. So maybe that's a terrible prediction. <laughs> um but uh, but yeah, Magnuson on on the podium. So, all right, I will type those in here in a, in a moment. But as we uh, as we wrap this up, you guys want to do this again uh, after Austin in October? I'd be interested. Hopefully, it's close. Stuff is close. If it's like Ferrari is clearly going to win the both titles, something like that, maybe it won't be as fun. But I, I would be up for it. It's uh, October twenty first to twenty third is the race mm-hmm. weekend. So, yeah, I would definitely be back. People can. I hope people, it would be funny if people were like, I didn't listen to your first one, but I listened to your second one. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> but could happen. They're, they're double extra bored at work. Right, yeah. Shellen, how about you? You come back for another round? Yeah, I'd be very on board. I think I think it would also be fun. I don't know what your guys' plans are regarding Con of the Rings weekend, but it does look like that is the weekend of the Singapore Grand Prix oh, yeah. as well, which would be kind of fun if we were all in Minnesota there together. That works. Maybe I was going to show up all red. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for right. sure. 
I don't own any team gear. I didn't think I need to buy some team gear for that. Um, the, the real killer is that Shell is like the primary sponsor for Ferrari as no. well. Which plays in for me there, but they're kind of yeah. you know, a, a soulless evil corporation, so I can't <laughs> yeah. rock that in good conscience. <laughs> the name recognition well, there. Well, yeah, that's the thing with Team Gears. You're rocking plenty of soulless, evil, and sometimes fake corporations. So anyway, right. <clears throat> cryptocurrency <laughs> is like tobacco sponsorships were, you know, back in the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crypto.com was, we didn't even mention the sponsor because we don't want to give them any advertisement, but it was Crypto.com. Yeah, right. And I was making fun. I, was, I thought I was going to make a lot more jokes about them, but I just didn't want to think about it. I made some jokes for a different uh, show I'm doing with Shell about crypto. So. Yeah. <laughs> Lots and lots and lots of crypto-related sponsorships on all the cars and everything. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, okay, okay. Well, fellas, this has been a lot of fun. <clears throat> Looking forward to hearing some more tardy takes from you guys as uh, as that continues going. Thank you for inviting me over to uh, over to this side of the feed to get to take a what over two-hour rabbit trail. Talk about race cars. This is great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, if you're yeah. still listening, um, get help. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Yes. And yeah. fun times. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Well, listen, close us out in the words of Ayrton Senna, I think. If you no longer go for a meme that exists, you're no longer a Formula One fan on the internet. Good night, everybody. <laughs>